wounds and badges. Welcome to the Marvel vs. Marvel podcast, a show where someone who has never read a Marvel comic book before in his life, despite 30-odd years on the planet, re-watches a Marvel movie or a TV show or a Marvel project, and then quizzes someone who is a veritable Marvel expert, someone that's been reading Marvel comics for 30-odd years, and quizzes him all about the history of the characters and the stories, the creators, the business side of the goings-on. And together, we go on a journey, a deep dive to thoroughly explore and explain the wonderful world of Marvel. Hello and welcome to that cast. It's your host and Marvel expert. My name is Rob Holden and I'm joined as ever by Will Preston. Oh good, just Will Preston. No ignorance, just Will Preston. At this point you know how ignorant I am so there's no need for it. The man... His ignorance needs no introduction. <laughs> for once we've got to that point. What they say about Willie P is yes. that when he's coming to a party, his mm-hmm. ignorance shows up ahead of time. And everyone knows, oh, things got really ignorant. I bet Will's on his way. Well, joke's on it you. No one you. ever invites me to a party. <laughs> what is up, Will? We have been having a thoroughly tremendous, wonderful, mm. incredible first part of uh, 2020. Wait, what, what year is it? 2021. 21. Or as I That's call it, 2020 part two. <laughs> That's what we're looking at right now. I'm 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 just realizing that I had to fill in a medical form today and I definitely put 2022 definitely that's what's just thrown me because I was about to say 22 and then I looked at the day and I went oh that form's invalid oh no they won't be cured till next year they're going to take the vaccine out of my body um well it's quite apropos I think perhaps that we're, we're discussing uh, healing factors and uh, Ooh, yes. <laughs> becoming immune to uh, pollutions and uh, diseases because we are, of course, dealing in this episode with Wolverine through the prism of that uh, 2009 seminal classic, the uh, X-Men Origins Wolverine movie, the first installment of the X-Men Origins franchise. <laughs> Um, the ill-fated X-Men Origin series. <laughs> and we've got just so much to get into and, and, and talk about on today's episode. This is our chance, although we've looked at X-Men several times, this will is our real chance to dig into the history of Wolverine. Yes. We've got this origin. We've got how many different people created him and, and contributed to his construct. We've got the history of, of Logan and Creed, Sabretooth. We've got the popularity uh, and the creation of Gambit and a deep dive mm-hmm. into the secret espionage world of Weapon X all to come on this show right here that's in your ears. Fantastic. And uh, speaking of coming in your ears, well, way you're uh, you're on the uh, you're on the internet way more than I am. Uh, wow, what is that supposed in. to? Sp- <laughs> you're practically plugged in. You're like a Neo in the Matrix. You're all over the place, uh, mainly through the the medium of Twitch. Okay, and I thought you were going to say, I, I Will, stop posting on Facebook. Will, stop <laughs> posting on Facebook. I, for one, would love to be able to follow all your antics and actions and all the games that you play and the way that you play them. And how can I go about doing that, Willie P? 
Well, Robbie H, you can do that by going on Twitch. Just <laughs> don't shake your head at me slightly. It doesn't uh, work. You know it doesn't work. It doesn't it sound doesn't, right. It doesn't work. I had to actually think as I said it. I went, does it sound right? <laughs> no, I'm saying it. Anyway, you can find me at twitch.tv slash willpreston87 on Monday, Wednesdays and Friday nights at 6pm UK time. Big Daddy H is the appropriate nickname if you're looking for one. Willie P and Big Daddy H. What's wrong <laughs> that's with un- that? that Where's the, there's no discrepancy there. It's perfect. <laughs> yes. Let's change the name of the podcast. Marvel versus Marvel with Willie P and Big Daddy H. But I have to wear a, a backwards <laughs> baseball cap and do this sort of pose. Absolutely. Yeah. And I'll be dressed as Biggie circa <laughs> 93, 94. Um, yeah. yeah. We've got... We've been having an incredible time, haven't we? Yes. We've just oh. been having an amazing time with, with the Nick Fury Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D., the first instalment in our weird, wild, and wacky series of Marvel episodes. Oh, yes. Not the last. Uh, the downloads. It is so great to look at that glorious graph and to see that every episode, every every couple of weeks, is better than the last one in terms of how many people are listening, downloading, enjoying us, how many new people are discovering us. Um, it, it just rejuvenates us, revives us, heals us, perhaps, so that we it can carry It stops us on. from dying. It stops <laughs> us from dying. This is how we live now. This is what we chose. Yeah, I, my entire self-worth is now tied up <laughs> in this show uh, as the rest of the world... Uh, well, you know what? Not being said, I've, I, I I finished a sitcom pilot uh, this Ooh, week, which yes. I've been working on for about six months. So that's pretty cool. I can't toot say that horn, about man. It. Toot that horn, toot that um, horn. And yeah. I've been asked to write for a major British television comedy show later this year. So perhaps not all my self worth is in this show, but it, it's felt like that way for how long? Will oh yeah, a year? Because guess what? <laughs> Next month is the one year anniversary of MVM Oh yes, that's what I like to hear For a second there I thought you were going to say Because guess what, it's the one year anniversary of lockdown in the UK <laughs> Well that's what inspired us, isn't it? It is what well, inspired that's what us what kicked us off We had everything locking down around us And we thought, let's do something Let's, Lo- let's let. We can't not speak to people We normally do it on stage But let's do it through Ex- an app Exactly. Life gave us lemons, and you said we went. You know what? Let's do a podcast called Lemons versus Lemons. And you went, No, I'm more of a Marvel man myself. And we went, Yeah, we'll do it about Marvel. Great, Marvel versus and, Marvel. And here we are, all, all these months and episodes and hours later, and all yeah. these subscribers later, as we build the Versaverse on Patreon. And um, what we do want to say is that we have got something special planned. For next month, for our anniversary, which is in the the fourth month of that year, and we 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 were putting the final touches on it. We haven't got everything finalized just yet, but expect multiple episodes to celebrate mm. more than one. Yes, and the best way to find out about it would be to follow us on Twitter at. Marvel versus that's how you're going to get all the wonderful announcements in advance. It's time for our regular trip inside the mind of a muggle. And what better muggly muggle is there in all of muggledom than the... Uh, the I mean, he's never seen a spectacular, wonderful thing in his life. 
He's just gone to boring school, got a boring job, stared at a boring wall. It's Will Preston. Will? That was very depressing. That was it. Oh, that, that, that was that was like. I could know. You, could, could you please marry him? He hasn't got long left. That's how I view people that don't read comics. I, I'm just. It feels like you've lived your childhoods in black and white, whilst I'm reading about Spider-Man punching Stiltman. Hey, hey, right hey, on the hey, I could. I could say the same to you about Golden Eye and the N64, but I won't because I have class. You say? Do you think I didn't play gold? You think I didn't play video games? Of course I did. Listen, I did everything you did, but also read a lot of comics. Anyway, this is becoming a fight now. Fight. We obviously know that you were aware of Wolverine when this movie came out. That's oh, what we want to find I? out in the mind of the Muggle section. We want to find out what a non-comic book reader thought of the characters and the stories as they as they debuted and as they came out. So when it comes to this movie. I mean, did you did, had you seen this? Did you see this movie in the cinema? No, I tried to watch it once, but gave up. In the cinema? No, 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 no. I, I got it on DVD, and then I think I watched about thirty minutes of it, and went, oh, "I can't be don't bothered with this." Did you? I mean, were you excited about its announcement? Was it? Did it feel like, oh, they're going to do Wolverine and Gambit and? And save it. Did it feel like the cartoon was coming to life, or did it feel like, oh, cool, more of the movies that I've enjoyed? Or well, this is the thing. I I'm one of the few people who, at the time, I I thought X Men Last Stand was all right. I I enjoyed it for what it was, and I I, I wanted another X Men film. And but this is around around this time. Uh, the, the, it last not last decade. Christ, two decades ago. Sorry, two no, de- decades, decades ago. ago. This uh, there was there was this big trend on the gritty reboot, wasn't it? The gritty reboot was the big thing, and mm. so all I could think was, ah, they're doing one of those for Wolverine. I will like this. I want to see this, Be- but I didn't see it. On- but when but when I heard from friends that it is a disappointment, it isn't the Wolverine you wanted, and we would never get a Wolverine that we wanted until Logan. It was just, yeah, I I I I was a bit let down uh, when I first saw it. I was let what down could, so much, but but not enough. To, but I didn't watch the whole thing. That's the problem. I didn't watch the whole thing. Mm, that's always hard, isn't it? I always find that from people. Yeah, uh, yeah. They say it was so terrible. Uh, it's like it's like not listening to a punchline and saying the joke wasn't funny. How do you know? <laughs> um, anyone who's been to a gong show will know how that that could work. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Two thousand and nine. We are the year after. Iron Man. Uh, Iron Man with the year yes. after the beginning of the MCU, and we're also mm-hmm. uh, not very far removed from Batman Begins. Yes, and those two movies are the movies that really did change superheroes uh, in 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 Hollywood. I mean, perhaps Avengers did more so for that, but uh, yeah, it, it's very interesting to take a little look at this because, of course, the last project we dealt with. Was Nick Fury, Agent of Shield, which was the last Marvel uh, project before Blade and X Men. Mm. So we're now uh, we're now on the other end of of that sort of MC that that you know pre MCU post MCU marker yeah, yeah. that you lay down in the history of cinema. And well, I'm sure that you as ever have got all of the things that we need to know about how the movie came together. And and what it really meant in terms of dollars and cents. Well, what can you tell us then? 
I, I, I will tell you that, but I want to take a bit of a run up first, uh, just to pan out the episode. Uh, what we okay? What I'm going to run it with is the previous X Men. Just, 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 just going to step in. Will's making a jokey comment, and I don't think that ever applies to our three-hour magnum opuses. Magnum opuses. Pan out the episode might be something you say on like a twenty-minute chat podcast, but. I think we need to keep padding as light as possible on this cast. Did I say it with irony? Why not? Uh, okay, so in 2000, we had the first X-Men film. The budget on that was $75 million. The box office was a whopping $296.3 million, so that's definitely a success. The that budget is- on the first X-Men movie was $75 million. Yeah, Gee, I mean, I know it's the, it's the year 2000, isn't it? But jeez. Yeah. Yep. I mean, especially, especially compared to the Spider-Man movie, which was not too far after. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. But you got to think as well. It did feel like a lower budget film, considering like the the the, the set pieces yeah, yeah. and whatnot. It did feel a bit of a smaller film. X Men Two, two thousand three, budget one hundred ten to one hundred five million. Uh, box office was four hundred seven point seven million. You know, similar kind of boost. Yeah, actually, a bit more. Would you say? I can't do yeah. maths. Yeah, we'll go yeah. with similar. X-Men Last Stand, which we will be covering at some point, I hope. <laughs> 2006. Hey. Okay. Great, great I mean, episodes. We're going to run out of stuff eventually, so we'll have great to. Great episodes of this podcast come out from hate. As much as we love things, we hate them too. Sure. Sure. <laughs> Not that I'm promoting hate. Anyway, budget on that, whopping 210 million. <laughs> Box office, 460.4 million. Not a failure, but not as, uh, but definitely diminishing returns kicking in. Now, Wolverine, uh, or X Men Origins Wolverine, not the Wolverine, uh, 2009, budget 150 million, box office 373.1 million. Okay, so not bad, but not, not the big gains we had from the first two X Men films, but better than Last Stand, I think. Yeah, and, and I think, it, I mean, you could argue. If you make a Spider-Man movie, you 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 make Spider-Man and you've got the supervillain, right? You've got two mm. of those big, you know, con- high concept things and you've got a supporting cast. X-Men movies are littered with lots more special effects and characters and powers and fights and stuff. Yeah. You you expect to need to spend more money. You would you would think that perhaps a solo Wolverine project would be cheaper to make, but it's not when you start throwing in just dozens of mutants everywhere to the point that it feels like another x-men movie um really does doesn't it it it, it does this is what exactly what it felt like it was like we're not really getting a wolverine story here we're getting a story involving wolverine yeah mm. yeah and we wanted a bit we wanted i, I wasn't gonna say we wanted a bit more than that we wanted a bit less than that we wanted just wolverine we didn't want wolverine plus his crazy team of Heroes. I think what we'll we'll talk about this a little bit later on when we when we get to Gambit is the issue that uh, publishers or producers have when you take a character from an ensemble and make them uh, stand out on their own. That can be a risky gamble. Gambit, mm. hey, hey. Uh, risky gamble because um, characters in an ensemble don't have to bear the weight fully of your time and attention. Yep, that's true. And and a, a very strong over 
almost overpowering character like Wolverine mm. works best when he swaggers onto the screen, does something cool, says a cool line, and then leaves, and then you're left wanting more. <laughs> and the he's the a breakout character. He's a breakout the discre- character. Mm, the discrepancy between mm. him is heightened by all the other characters that aren't like him. If you had a movie featuring just lots and lots of different Wolverines. <laughs> that would suck. You yeah. need that. You need that time between to breathe, and you need the discrepancy in characters. And so there's always that consideration of okay. Well, now we're going to take that breakout character who had, you know, less than a quarter of screen time in that last movie, and we're going to give him ninety percent of the screen time in the next one. So I can understand them saying. Let's just pad this out and make it another X-Men movie so that the dynamic works the same. Yeah. And we're not taking that gamble. That, 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 that does make a lot of sense. I mean, even in Logan, he was kind of with a team, wasn't he? A small team, more like a family, sure. if anything. Mm. And that, and that, and that, that works that way. What else can you tell us, Will, about the development of this project? Oh, there is too much here. There is a lot to... Well, there's a fair amount to get through, and it's all ruddy juicy. So, I will go, first of all, with the fact that a month before this film was released, it was leaked. Yes, I remember that. We, we had yeah. some letters about it coming up. Yeah, the leaking. What, what, what happened? So, basically, the leaker... Uh, it was leaked by a guy called Gilberto Sanchez, about 49, I think. They said in the police report, uh, who, uh, who basically linked, uh, leaked the film and ended up in federal prison for a year for the offence. And not only that, as well as this happening, a Fox News website columnist, Roger Friedman, lost his job after posting an online review based on an illegally downloaded copy of the film. Oh. So I know that's that's but, that, but but he didn't like he didn't work for the company, did he? He, he didn't work for the he company. He bought, bought it, it off the street or something. He bought it basically off of like a market. He was there was a guy. I, I think it was in a restaurant or something, and it was a shady place. And he was just this guy was selling bootleg DVDs, and this guy had somehow managed to get himself hold of a copy of uh, the, the, a pre-release version of Wolverine. So, but it was that guy's. What's this guy's name again? Gilberto Sanchez. It was Sanchez's because uh, he uploaded it. Then he took the DVD, yeah. he copied it, and then he uploaded it. Yes, to or uh, sent make it, it to upload friends or something. Yeah, so he made it a public upload. So that right. was that was and, the big and, and that was then that was then shared thousands and thousands of times when the police were able to track it back to him. But of course, they couldn't track it any further to a DVD on the street or anything, could they? No, nope, so, no, nope, nope, nope. He 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 took the bullet. It seems like. And what happened to him? Well, he ended up in federal prison for a year. Oh, apparently the sentence was three. I don't know if he lasted the whole thing, but yeah, uh, I, I I saw a bit of a report where he says he's not the problem. The you know obviously he, he was incredibly stupid, but the problem is much deeper than that. Obviously, because there's a whole underground market, a black market of this kind of thing, and he was just. Well, not an innocent bystander, but uh, a bystander, second degree, if you will. He, he participated in this market and made things worse for himself by painting a target on his head by uploading to the internet. Very stupid move. Very, very stupid move. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, also, uh, obviously, that really disheartened the. Fi- it affected the film as well, didn't it? It affected reviews of the film. I think because pe- everybody saw. 
was watching this this leaked pirate but, copy as but well. It, the, the, so the pirate copy from my memory, and I haven't looked into this like you have. Mm. From my memory, the the leaked copy wasn't finished. No, 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 wasn't finished. And, they were, apparently they could see strings on him. Yeah, yeah. And, and and that that is a absolutely terrible way to shatter the illusion of cinema and the <laughs> illusion of a cool movie you want to enjoy. Um, I'd like to watch that after I've seen the film, so I could have this sort of oh, that's right. how they did it. That's interesting. Yeah, a DVD extra, sure. Yeah, um, but it from I I I remember there being this groundswell of negative talk about it on fan groups and chat, you know, news groups, chat sites, those kind of things. Um, people had seen this not finished version and were not happy. Well, obviously, uh, this, is, this is the thing. If, if you're going to see that, you should not review it. You should say, ah, oh, I know roughly what the story is and how it's going to turn out, but I'm going to shut my mouth until I've seen the finished thing. <laughs> Fans are never like that, though. And I... Yeah. I, I, I I I think that the studios, you know, they contested that it his actions and the leak mm. knocked you know several million off what they think it should have taken yeah. box office weekend opening weekend. Yeah, that does um, not surprise me at all. Um, but the thing is, the film, the actual finished film, wasn't that that didn't perform that well either. In fact, uh, Hugh Jackman was so disheartened after the film came out that he nearly quit playing Wolverine altogether. Wow. Yeah, that's how bad wow. it was. Nothing to do with the leak, or maybe partly to do with the leak, you know, whatever, but he, he, the, the overall performance of the film... He said in interviews that uh, he admitted that he knows how much fans hated it, saying they were always very vocal in their opinions about his work. Uh, the actor had wanted the film to deepen the audience's understanding of the character and had more to his version of Wolverine. Instead, <laughs> he described it... Pretty much how we've said it as the fourth X Men with different characters. Yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, yeah, yeah. It was another X Men with it's different characters. It's a shame because there's such a. Anyway, carry on. Carry on with the character. I agree. Shame is the operative word in this production. <laughs> so, the, also, the first version of the script, little, little side note, was written by Game of Thrones's uh, David Benioff. Uh, the first version was described as darker and brutal, which is unsurprising given Game of Thrones, and intended as an R-rated film. The writer wanted to show a side of Wolverine that wasn't in the opening trilogy of the X-Men movies, one that was closer to his character in comic books like Weapon X and uh, the Claremont uh, Miller run of the character. However... He says with confidence, folks. He says with confidence. <laughs> he's, he's written it down, someone else's words. Like they're his own. Like he thought them. Like the muggle he is. However, the film eventually ended up being downgraded to the usual uh, PG-13 as an R rate. An R rating wasn't felt to be necessary. And of course, because it would limit the potential for box office returns. Wow. Mm. Also, a uh, little side note... Um, it could be possibly the only Marvel, one of the only Marvel no. films that Stanley doesn't make a cameo. One of, sure. There's loads. <laughs> really? Yeah. Yeah. We, we, you always forget all of the Blade movies. <laughs> he's, he's not in Days of Future Past. He's not in First Class. He's, he's not in Days of Future ex- Past. I thought he was. Or he's not in First Class then. There's, 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 he's not in X-Men 2. There's several X-Men movies he's not in. There's a bunch okay. of Marvel stuff he's not in. 
Okay, well, <laughs> this is another film where Stanley isn't in it. Anyway, screenplay, as we said, written by Dave Benioff and Skip Woods. Uh, Dave Benioff, a comic book fan, pursued the project for almost three years before he was hired to write the script in October 2004. Jackman collaborated on the script, which he wanted to be more of a character piece compared with the previous X-Men films. Uh, Skip Woods was later hired to revise and rewrite Benioff's original script, uh, as we said, as, as we said, to make it darker. Sorry, he, he wanted it darker, but they got Benioff to basically lighten it up. Meanwhile, in the background, and this is a, like a nice little tangent, Deadpool had been in development for his own, had been developed for his own films by uh, Reynolds and David S. Goyer at New Line Cinema in 2003. But the project fell apart as they focused on Blade Trinity and an aborted spin-off. Uh, Benioff wrote the character into the script in a manner Jackman described as fun, but would also deviate from some of his traits. Similarly, Gambit was a character who the filmmakers had tried to put in the previous X-Men films. Uh, Jackman liked Gambit because he is a loose cannon like Wolverine. Before, 2007, the, before the 2007 and uh, 2008 Writers Guild of America strike began, James Vanderbilt, not James Vanderbeek, uh, James Vanderbilt. What a shame. What a shame. It wasn't James Vanderbeek. James Vanderbilt and Scott Silver were hired for last minute. For all lives to be over, I want the Don't want to wait for this be? film to come out in the cinema. Gonna download it. Uh, they were hired for the last minute rewrite, so there's been a fair bit of rewrite with this, which just again it goes to show: stop doing that, people. Let let the artists let the artists' vision shine. So, also this on the subject of Deadpool, the subject of Deadpool to get the part of Deadpool, Ryan Reynolds to get the part of Deadpool in this film went to the filmmakers and asked to play him in the film. And that was it. He literally just walked up, he went up to them and said, can I play Deadpool, please? And they went, yeah. That was the casting process? Apparently, yes. Also, not only this, he wrote most of his lines. Which is, you know, you can understand that he is that kind of person who would improve. Listen, guys, I, I, I know that we all we all like Ryan Reynolds and he's very affable and funny <laughs> in interviews. But if you believe everything Ryan Reynolds says about himself, <laughs> I, I don't, I don't know, man. I, I think you're being, I think you're being played. But, but sure, know. yeah, maybe he went to a to the producers. And said, I'm Ryan Reynolds, and they gave him the part. And then maybe he wrote all his own lines on a major <laughs> Hollywood production. Hey, it's, it's, it's certainly a story he's told. Yeah, it, it, looking back at my notes now, it's like, yeah, this does sound like the kind of person who goes, yeah, I was in the SAS, but I can't, but obviously I have to keep it secret. I tell you what, if I managed to marry Blake Lively, I think I would start to believe all my own dreams and imaginations were real as well i would just assume i was the main character in life so blake sure. lively is that That's his wife oh yeah okay i i will google uh okay far, last of all uh film was a financial success obviously but critically underwhelming and i wanted to put this in because the best quote goes to roger ebert obviously and it goes why should I care about this guy? He feels no pain and nothing could kill him. So therefore, he's essentially a story device for action sequences. That, <laughs> that is the very dangerous aspect of, of, of Wolverine. As I've yeah. said before, he, he, in many interpretations, he's almost like uh, the, the character an eight-year-old child creates. 
Mm. Um, and every time you, if you've ever tried to play with an eight-year-old child, uh, play a game with action figures or fighting or whatever, you go, oh, and then I electrocute you. And the eight-year-old child goes, mm. oh, no, I'm immune to electrocution. Uh, uh, okay, I, I cut your hand off. No, you can't. My bones are unbreakable. I yeah, poison yeah. you. No, healing factor. Can't ever be poisoned. I wait in a cave until you die of old age. Well, funnily enough, that never happens to me. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, hey, there's lots of drama to come. So, what we ought to know, Rob, the, the, the nuts and bolts, the lemons that are within Marvel vs. Marvel, could you please tell us give, us, give us some more history behind Wolverine, because we need more. Uh, if history had gone a little bit differently, Will, we'd be sitting down today to discuss the movie X-Men Origins Badger. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, my brother has an obsession with badgers, so it's doubly funny for me. That was the original name for Wolverine's character when he was being dreamed up. This is fantastic. This is fantastic. Uh, What kind of badger? It's like a honey badger or a British badger. The, 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 the legendary Marvel writer and editor, Roy Thomas, is the man who succeeded Stan Lee, as we've talked in about before. He succeeded Stan Lee as editor-in-chief and, and guiding creative force at Marvel mm. Comics. He wrote practically every Marvel comic that there, there was, and he created seminal characters like Ultron and Vision. Um, he, he invented adamantium, because that's what Ultron is, is made of. Mm. And in 1974, he decided partly because of pressure from the parent company, that, that Marvel needed to have um, a character to appeal to all their Canadian readers. Mm. And he decided the new super character should be based on a fearsome North American animal like the Badger. Uh, <laughs> so he, he gave an interview and he explained... Uh, when I decided we should have a Canadian character, and even that it would be named after a fierce northern animal... I was conflicted between Wolverine and Badger. <laughs> Finally, I decided that Badger had the connotations of heckling and nagging, whilst Wolverine virtually had the word wolf in it. Wolverine sounds like slashing. I don't know because it's been imprinted in our heads because of our association with the character. But Badger, because we're British, what do you think of when you think of Badger? You think a lovely character from the, wood, the, the Wind in the Willows. Just to go back to his quote there, Wolverine virtually had the word wolf in it. Then call the character the wolf, Roy. <laughs> don't, don't go out of your way to find other words that happen to sort of have the word wolf. If the wolf is a really good name for a character, call him wolf. Anyway, um, Thomas himself wouldn't do any actual writing when it came to Wolverine. He was too busy just doing everything else at Marvel. Um so he handed the character over to other creatives to design and write. He gave his team, though, three directives when it came to Wolverine. One, the character is Canadian and announced that almost immediately. It is prominently announced that he is Canadian. Two, he was short. He had to be short because Wolverine is a small animal. And three... He had to have a quick temper because Wolverines are known for being fierce and taking on beasts far bigger than they are. Um, legendary artist John Romita was Marvel's art director at the time. He handled a huge amount of 
art tasks that weren't associated with drawing a monthly comic. It was Bromita's job to create the design and look of this brand new character, which had no backstory and had no script yet. It just had those three directives. So Ramita created a design that featured this iconic yellow and blue costume that would endure uh, in comic books and video games and cartoons for, for decades to come. The original Wolverine mask had what we consider now on Wolverine's mask from the from, from, from the cartoons and everything, those almost Batman-like ears that come up from the side. They were really short, like the short ears of some sort of Wolverine or Badger character. And he had these black stripes across the face, giving the rather bizarre appearance of whiskers. That's 100% what they were. Wolverine's original mask had whiskers on them. John Romita was also responsible, perhaps the most important detail in, in the history of the character. He gave Wolverine claws Ooh. sticking out from his gloves. In fact, to begin with, Wolverine's claws were only ever intended to be a feature of his costume, like a, a, <laughs> a gadget, a weapon that he used. They, they would pop out of the gloves, pop back into the gloves, but they were not meant to be part of his body or his powers. The, the the task of then introducing Wolverine to the Marvel Universe and creating his um, his personality and his story, that was handed to a writer called Len Wein. Len Wein is an, was, uh, sadly passed away, an absolute powerhouse of creativity um, in comic books. He worked for virtually every major publisher that mattered, he left an incredible lasting mark on, on the business. Ween created characters like Nightcrawler and Storm and Colossus for Marvel. He co-created Swamp Thing and Lucius Fox for DC Comics. Hmm. Um, and he was the editor for Alan Moore's Watchmen, which ah. was a Herculean task. And then he moved on from comics and he was a writer for television. And he wrote for Batman the Animated Series, the Animated X-Men, Animated Spider-Man. He wrote for Transformers, Ben 10, a bunch of other, like loads and loads of well-remembered, fondly remembered cartoon cartoon shows. Um, he, he was just, uh, he was bursting with creativity and, and he was bursting with characters and stories. And he sadly missed. Mm. We crafted a three-part story in The Incredible Hulk, which acted as Wolverine's debut, introduced him to, to the world. The, the Hulk finds himself in Canada, where he's lured into a mystical situation featuring the Wendigo. The, the, the <laughs> Wendigo is a genuine mythological evil spirit, um, sort of that comes from the First Nation, the indigenous people in uh, North okay. America, and that plagues the forests of Canada. In the Marvel Universe, any man who turns to cannibalism in these North American regions is transformed by this curse into a huge animalistic white-haired monster. It's a seriously cool character. It's like a spiritual, supernatural Hulk monster. It's really cool. And the Hulk and Wendigo have battled many times. This time they get into this huge battle and the rampage draws the attention of the Canadian military who deployed their very own costumed super agent to deal with these two monsters, the Wolverine. 
<laughs> five foot five, tiny little dude with whiskers on his mask, and he attacks these two giant monsters with his claws. Like the epitome of what Roy Thomas wanted. You know, short, mm. fearsome, going after people bigger than him all the time. Um, uh, the very first thing Wendigo does, uh, sorry, Wolverine does, is he stabs the Wendigo in the throat. Oh! <laughs> and, and he only survives because it's supernatural. But it's just, it's just immediately taken out of the fight. <laughs> he just stabs <laughs> him right in that goddamn throat. He just sounds um, like a Scotsman. He sounds so Scottish. Small stabs you in the throat in a fight or something. I think we're going to get letters about that one, mate. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. My granddad's Scottish. He filled me in on all these facts. Uh, but but the Hulk very easily beats uh, Wolverine with like one glancing blow, and later on the Canadian military arrive and they have to like take over yeah. the the job that Wolverine couldn't do, and and that's pretty much the end for the Wolverine. Nobody would see him again until the next year, because in 1975 Roy Thomas has another big idea, and that is to resurrect the X Men. Ah, uh, yes. A great companion piece of this episode is our X-Men movie episode, the 2000 film X-Men. Um, go back and check that one out. You'll remember from that that the X-Men comic book was not popular in the 60s. One of the early creations of Stanley and Jack Kirby, but it didn't sell very well and it got cancelled. Well, By 1975, Marvel was ready to essentially reboot the series and try again with a like a fresh, dynamic new team of, of mutants. And they weren't so interested in them all being teenagers anymore. <laughs> Marvel's parent company at the time, Cadence Industries, they they had this big mandate with Marvel that Marvel needed to have more international appeal with its characters. And part of that is what led to the creation of a Canadian superhero. But it would impact the X-Men as well. The X-Men was now meant to be like the Captain Planet concept. Um, <laughs> we had to have characters from gathered different nationalities and backgrounds. So we get Nightcrawler from Germany, Colossus mm. from Russia, Storm from Kenya, Banshee from Ireland. Um, and the creative team behind this reboot was um, artist Dave Cockrum and writer Len Wein. And Wein decided to reuse the Canadian Wolverine character from his Hulk story. And just like that, Wolverine went from being a costumed secret agent guy to a mutant. Um, because you have to be a mutant if you're going to be in the X-Men. Indeed. Uh, both Roy Thomas, the, the guy who came up with the idea initially, and Len Wein, the writer, they had intended for Wolverine to be a young college-age superhero like Spider-Man. Ooh. But he'd only ever been drawn with his mask on. And they never got a chance to show that he was a young kid in those, in those stories. Once the new X-Men series began for real, the artist Dave Cockrum, he drew Wolverine with his mask and his costume off for the first time. And he was no kid. Wolverine was drawn to be considerably older than the rest <laughs> of the X-Men. A man in his 40s with long sideburns and a hairy chest. Kind of a Clint Eastwood look. Yeah. Um, and once it's down on the page, it has to stay. So, kiss goodbye to teenage Wolverine <laughs> as a concept. Um, the 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 rebooted X Men series was immediately handed to a twenty four year old writer called Chris Claremont, who 
is essentially the father of the X-Men. And he spends 16 years writing the comic book, melding the classic Marvel soap opera that we're used to, and the tension. Good guys can hate each other and have tension. And, and the, 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 the high drama of, of the emotional world, with the high concept of like science fiction stories. They go into outer space, and they fight giant mutant hunting robots from the future, and... And, and and thrilling action and, and twists and turns and deaths and also deals with like the painful real world issues like apartheid, like racism. Um Clement transformed the X Men from this book that was so crap no one bought it and it got cancelled into the best selling comic book in the world. And, and and turned the X Men to a franchise. Clement made the X Men into the team for Generation X. And Wolverine is intrinsically such a big part of that success. It's Clement that gave Wolverine the character and personality that we all know to this day, modelling him on Clint Eastwood. This sort of Dirty Harry meets the outlaw Josie Wales, a tough, (laughs) gruff, violent warrior who... But who always does the right thing, no matter how much it pains him. Um, Claremont came up with the name Logan for him and uh, fashioned his long-standing passion for Jean Grey and his bubbling tension with everybody else, like everybody. And Claremont gives him this mysterious, deep past, this past so mysterious not even Wolverine knows it or remembers where he came from. Um, Wolverine was insanely popular. I mean, Wolverine was dangerous in a way that very few comic book characters in the mainstream were allowed to be. Mm. He was a violent, the violent anti-hero uh, that was really popular in, in cinema in the seventies and eighties. Wolverine reflected that for perhaps some of the earliest times, like before Punisher hit his mark and really became popular. Wolverine was there doing some of that. Claremont, Claremont's X-Men had a lot of dark tones to it, and one of them was that Wolverine would straight up murder villains. <sighs> if he thought they deserved it. I mean, not just Wolverine. Rogue murdered people as well. I mm. mean, the X-Men could be very dark at times, but that level of danger with Wolverine made him stand out in the rest of the Marvel Universe. He became the breakout character of the X-Men and and probably the breakout character of Marvel Comics in general. I mean, he was a huge part of why that book was so insanely popular in the 80s and the 90s. There were all these fan magazines that that ran polls of most popular hero. Wolverine won like eight, nine years in a row, (laughs) just constantly the most popular character. Um, He was spun off into his own miniseries which I really recommend and fleshed out parts of his background and past and he received his own ongoing series so now he's in the multiple X-Men comics monthly and he's in his own Wolverine comic every month as well and then the Wolverine comic gets so popular they start having to print it twice a month because they can just sell that much Wolverine comics to people um, and, and, and he then gets what I like to call the Spider-Man nod since the 1960s, Spider-Man had been Marvel's most popular character, 
and mm. it became a statistical fact that if you had Spider-Man make a guest appearance in another comic book, stick him on the front cover, that comic book will sell a lot more comics, right? Yeah. So that's what they did. Spider-Man is always guest starring in loads of other comics to get readers to go and buy them. But at the end of the 80s, Wolverine was becoming that character. He was Marvel's second most popular character, and he's now guest starring in everything all the damn time. Because if you put Wolverine in a book, kids will buy it. Um, Toys, video games, merchandise, Wolverine was on all of it, he was everywhere, t-shirts and clothes. Um, And when Fox Kids launches the X-Men animated series in 1992, once again, all over again, Wolverine becomes the breakout star. That's how we get to where we are with the creation of Wolverine, the many different hands stirring the pot to get us to this movie. And we reached out to the Versaverse and we asked for your thoughts and opinions on this movie. And you had a lot and they weren't all positive. <laughs> uh, don't forget that you can always get in touch with us via the email address marvelversusmarvel at gmail.com. marvelversusmarvel at gmail.com. Or to send us something short, sweet and sassy, you can hit us with that tweet on at Marvel versus Will, what have you got in your mailbag for us this time? Well, I've got a few here. Uh, James Kenneth Allen writes, At the time, I loved this. I remember vividly seeing this at the cinema with my dad and being so psyched about the opening scene where they fly through the historical wars. I was oblivious to all that was wrong with the film until repeat viewings when I was older. Deadpool is awful, obviously, after he's not allowed to speak. I didn't mind Gambit, but the CGI is awful. I loved X-Men and X2 as a kid, and seeing this, I thought it would be more in-depth. It's watchable, but nothing special, I don't think. Not as good as Logan. Mm. Yep. I think there's... there's, there's a, we, we, we did hear that from several people. That, so when they were younger, they did really enjoy it. As they got older, they it wasn't something they could pull back off the shelf and, you know, in, enjoy again and again. So, I don't think this necessarily is an all bad movie, but a lot of people, a lot of people were very swayed and and really held a lot of you know animosity for it. I I think it's a solid five out of ten, but I'll talk about that later. Hmm. So Dean Walpole also wrote in. He told us that he was part of a criminal criminal conspiracy. I managed to watch an unfinished version which didn't have any of the effects added. You, you sent that poor man to jail. Yes, you sent that poor man to jail. That one You're year in a responsible. Not just any jail, American federal, jail, federal American prison. Awful man. It did. Okay, it's still the unfinished version, which didn't have any of the effects added, so you could see oh. all the green screen wires. His claws had a placeholder effects, which were just badly animated rectangles. It was by far the most interesting part of that film. <laughs> to be honest, it's the only part that I remember. Oh, I want to see that. I want to see the badly rectangles. The bad. I'm I'm amazed that that could be worse than the actual CGI in that claw scene that he's talking about oh god because that I is the pa- worst i had to pause it, it and rewind it because i was like what really every every episode we talk about cgi because you're obsessed mm. with it 
And I tell you, it is the only time in my entire life that bad CGI has left a mark on me that I even noticed. If you want to go and even stay further, I, I, I started uh, watching the Zack Snyder cut of Justice League and the bad CGI is still there, but somehow more noticeable <laughs> because you're expecting it to be better. And it's like, no, it's not. But anyway, if you're going to do it, superhero films are mostly CGI. You have to have good CGI of the time of the time. I okay. don't agree that superhero films are mostly CGI. If I thought that, I would not have. Well, I wouldn't have put a year of my life into this. <laughs> next, <laughs> next letter. <laughs> Our final How letter. You. How dare you! Oh, them lemons are coming out. Uh, <laughs> Callback. Ash Reeves. Uh, this is the last one. Ash Reeves has said, "I remember the excitement of finally getting Gambit in an X Men film, followed by the crushing hammer of reality." Remember what people were really excited about Gambit, man? Uh, I was a popular character. I was. I was really looking forward to it, and then when I finally got around to seeing it, I was like, "Hmm, well, that's all right." You can always drop us a line, as we said, Marvel versus Marvel at gmail.com. But the best way to get in touch with us and to show your love is by logging on. Logging on, Rob. Yes, that's right. Logging on. <laughs> Something that people haven't said since the adverts for the internet in 1999. Log on to America Online. Keyword, Marvel versus... No. Uh, heading over to patreon.com slash marvel versus marvel because that is our website where we give to you the most incredible bonus content out there in the webosphere and it's where our super fans pay homage they they send us love they send us messages they get in touch and let us know how our show is changing their lives and in many cases saving their lives i like to think that that we do that on a very regular basis they show Mm. their love in, in a variety of wonderful ways. Uh, David Lepresti got in touch to say, Hello guys, I am a huge fan here in Arizona. I found your podcast a bit ago when I was trying to find a podcast that as an MCU fan would help me get a better understanding of the comic book origins and stories that inspired them. And you guys were the only ones to fit the bill. Ooh, bill fitting done. Right. I enjoy the fact that I can pick any random episode and it has its own contained content. I also, David, think that is a great part. You can pick off the shelf one of our episodes. You can go back and go, I haven't listened to the Blade one in a long, long time. Bang. You're in it. You've got it. You know, these things are wonderful on their own contain there's so much replay value in them as well oh i agree i agree agree. with you there uh amazing and i was hooked the minute i listened to my first episode which was captain america the first avenger when i got to blade it was solidified i am happily supporting (laughs) you on patreon and i am now a proud v i e p member ladies and gentlemen Executive producer in the house. He makes oh, it all yes. possible. He puts his hand in his pocket. He he lays out the cheddar cheddar. <laughs> he he's paying for all of this while you aren't. 
Do you, do you get? Do you understand that? Do you get that? David is keeping the show on the air, and some of you right now are listening to this, and you're not doing. It. You're you're dirtily benefiting from someone else's money. You dirtily. should be ashamed. Should dirtily. be ashamed. Shame Rather again. than ask you. Oh no, he said I would. I would. Um, I can't wait for the Spider Verse episode uh, for later this year. I would like to ask Rob some questions since Here he is go. the Marvel expert. Oh, I haven't prepared for these. Um, which MCU character representation, in your opinion, is your favourite so far? Well, you've not said wh- which is the closest to the comics because I think they're all very different. I MCU. I I think it's Captain America. I I I, yeah. I do. I really think. The Chris Evans, Steve Rogers is fantastic, and I really enjoy that. Um, number two, which MCU representation has failed the most? For me, it's Thor. I don't enjoy the first two, and the first, the third one is weird. <laughs> uh, I, 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 and he, he, he's better in the Avengers stuff, but I don't. I don't have any connection with it at all. Um, as a third one, uh, which character in all of Marvel's history are you most excited to see be added in the future? Ooh. That used to be Spider-Man. Um, now, I mean, see, it was, again, and it was Daredevil, and I, I love the Daredevil series. I mean, I'm pretty psyched for Shang-Chi. I always loved the Shang-Chi comics growing up as a kid. There's rumours that Black Knight might be happening. Head on back to the animated Iron Man episode for uh, <laughs> some wonderful stuff on, on, on the Black Knight. I've always liked the Black Knight. I'm m- much more of a sort of a CD-list character fan. I don't know why. Um, so, yeah, I guess Shang-Chi and if it's happening. Oh, I quite like Ironheart, and we've got an Ironheart series coming soon. So, yeah, maybe that as well. David says, thank you guys again for endless amounts of amazing stories. Keep up the amazing work. Thank you, David. Thank you for paying for the lights to be on, paying for all the hosting costs, the storage costs, and keeping this show on the air. Shame on you out there that are not already, (laughs) uh, that are benefiting right now. Like thieves in the night as you steal this from us essentially i you mean all I mean, deserve one federal year in prison <laughs> you federal prison <laughs> but you can do the right thing you can do the right thing and avoid that spiritual federal prison of the mind and soul <laughs> by heading to patreon.com slash marvel versus marvel where we release a brand new full length bonus episode every month and this month it is going to be the history of Wolverine. Because here's the thing. We've got a lot we're gonna cover in this move in this episode of Wolverine's past, specific to the events of this movie and the characters he interacts with in this movie. But believe me, look me right in the eyes right now, Will. Because I'm gonna okay, say I'm this looking. to you as well. Believe me when I tell you this is just scratching the surface. So in the April, uh, no, what are we, March? In the March bonus episode, we are going to delve into some of the darker, weirder, bigger, out there realms of Wolverine's long history, 
in the Marvel Universe. We're going to be dealing with his greatest enemy, which is not Sabretooth. And we're going to be spending a good chunk of time talking about Wolverine's son. Oh, no. A real piece of work. Um, we've got all the other full-length bonus episodes are up there for you to enjoy for your full price if you become a VIEP. What else are we doing, Will? Well, in <laughs> April, we are launching a brand new Patreon-exclusive ep- ep- series from the two of us, Obscure Marvel. Each month, a mini-episode as I take Will to some of the more obscure sides of the Marvel Universe, we realise that the, some of the most fun we have on the show is when Will learns about something <laughs> like Stilt Man or Lady Stilt Man or the Human Spinning Top. <laughs> so I'm diving into my encyclopedic knowledge. I'm pulling out some of the most wacky, weird, bizarre, and obscure Marvel characters, and we're going to be recording mini-episodes about them, putting them out every month. Now, to get access to our full-length bonus episodes, you're going to have to drop £10 a month, because those meaty, meaty boys take a lot, cost a lot, and are worth a lot. But If you want to donate to us just to support us, the £3 level to say thanks for putting on a good show, then as a reward, everyone who does that is going to get access to our mini episodes of the Obscure Marvel series. That'll start in April. It will be each and every month. And that's not all, Will. Oh, no. We've got some very exciting things coming up for those that have been down since day one we're encountering more and more subscribers on patreon that are about to enter what we like to call the 100 club these these big ballers these big spenders Mm -hmm. have uh, contributed in their in their uh, pledges to us 100 pounds or more either as a one-off payment from some people kaching kaching or that is built up over you know several months and we're not just going to let that slide, Will. We're going to oh, say, no. you're the most important thing in the world to us. A hundred smackers from each of you, you deserve more. So if you are one of our wonderful subscribers, if you've been with us for a long time, if you think it's going to happen, it might be happening. If you're about to join the 100 Club, you're going to get a message from us in on Patreon, a private message. And we're going to arrange to do something special with you. If we can make the time zone and the connection, the technology work, we'll do a uh, a private uh, video chat, me, Will, and you, where you can ask us anything you want about the podcast, about Marvel comics, about the movies. If we can't get that to work, and in some cases people are in just completely different time zones to us and it might not be possible, then we're, we're going to arrange to record a special audio recording just for you. You guys will tell us, ask us whatever questions you want us to debate, what you want us to argue about, what you want us to cover and get into. Ask us questions, set us topics. We'll record a special audio just for you. 
as a thank you for reaching that 100 club and we'll send that off to you as well um anyone that wants that can join at any stage with the 100 pound tier uh but for a lot of people it's a demonstration of their support over this last year and we always want to make sure that we are giving back there's so much bonus content available for people on patreon they want to be heading over there right now patreon.com slash marvel versus marvel we have laid the table we've uh, laid the bed <laughs> set the bed dressed the bed we've laid the table we've done our laundry what we've paid the bills we've said thank you to the people that deserve to be thanked we've admonished those who are not doing the right thing and thus are, are dirty um and we've we've really set everything up and all that remains is for Will to do that thing he does so well and take <laughs> us through X-Men Origins, the first of that franchise, Wolverine. Okay, let's press play. In 1845, James Howlett, a boy living in Canada, witnesses his father being killed by groundskeeper Thomas Logan. Witnessing the terrible scene, James's anxiety reaches such a point where his unknown mutations suddenly activate. Bone claws protrude from his knuckles. Blinded by pure rage, the boy screams and impales Thomas, who uses his last dying breath to reveal that he is James's birth father. So wait a second, this is Wolverine's origin in the comic book, right? Was he a little boy in the 1800s? Doesn't seem... Very Wolverine, does it? Look, no, he's a small boy. He's a small boy. Um, it, 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 after the X Men movie came out, hmm. Marvel decided and realized that if they didn't do the origin of of Wolverine, then the movies would get to it first. <laughs> and, uh, and Marvel it, had danced say, around. Isn't that, isn't that exactly what Thomas Harris did with Hannibal Lecter? He only did the book Hannibal Rising because he pretty much knew that, that it was going to be filmed at some point, so he just got there first. Yeah, sounds about right, yeah. yeah. Marvel had never really wanted to do Wolverine's uh, background and story, and mm. I am in the camp that thinks it would be... Like, I don't want to know... In Doctor Who, I don't want to know the Doctor's origins and the the actual... I don't want to know the whole story behind the mystery... It takes the mystery out of it and the fun out of it. But 2001 Marvel released a a series called Origin, which finally, once and for all, detailed the beginning origins of Wolverine. So, 1800s Canada, we meet a a neglected but tough little child called Dog Logan. (laughs) And Dog is the child of a cruel, sadistic man called Thomas Logan, who's the groundskeeper for this very rich family, the mm. Howlets who own this uh, plantation. And and Thomas Logan looks exactly like a grown-up Wolverine. Of course he does. So we see Dog and his early life being f- really mistreated by his father, you know, beaten and stuff and playing with some of the rich children in the neighborhood and is adopted sort of adopted well. He's wayward orphaned girl who lives with him called Rose and years of beatings and neglect from his father really starts to twist dog and he becomes more and more like his dad 
and he becomes cruel and mean and sadistic. He kills the pet dog Aww. of the rich boy, the rich little, you know, the little rich boy of the Howlets, who's a, a very he's a very sickly bed bound boy who only has this pet for company. And dog kills the the pet, and he uh, attempts to sexually assault this, this this girl Rose. It was a pretty controversial and disheartening at the time to see this kind of origin being told. Mm. But uh, the audience for decades had been told and hinted that Wolverine's Wolverine wasn't always a good guy or a nice guy. Wolverine wasn't always a hero. But still, this was quite a lot to take. Yeah. Um, Dog and his and his father Thomas. Uh, get fired and evicted because their behaviour is really bad and they get kicked off the grounds and it leads to a violent altercation where Thomas Logan, a little bit like this shoots and murders his rich employer, John Howlett which is then when Thomas Logan is stabbed to death by the sickly little boy, James Howlett and his bone claws so it was a misdirect ah the sickly rich boy James Howlett is Wolverine. Dog Logan is not. The shock of seeing his father being murdered kicks his mutation in. Bone claws are up out of his hands as he avenges his father's death and kind of just goes mad with rage. Um, the reason Thomas Logan, the groundskeeper, looks like grown-up Wolverine is because he had an affair with the rich woman of the uh... estates. And... Is James is secretly his son, and Dog Logan, who we all thought was Wolverine, is actually his half brother. Right. Um, James is is his mother is shocked and just like basically she comes around the corner and there's this bloody scene. There's two dead men, one with his throat ripped out, um, blood everywhere, and her son is there, blood all over his hands, and giant bone claws coming out of his hands, and she is. Scared and confused, and calls him a monster. And James is in terrible, terrible pain. He doesn't. He immediately doesn't know what happened, and he flees into the night. And almost immediately, James cannot remember what happened. And, and what Origin starts to tell us is that Wolverine's healing factor actually kicks in to protect him from mental trauma. By creating mental blocks around awful events in his life, which is why Wolverine has so much trouble. Part of why he has so much trouble with with memories. That's that's horrific. Oh, I think I remember looking this up, and I saw a still like from the comic, and it looked really grim. Mm, they they, they yeah. showed the scene; it looked absolutely grim and very sepia toned, if I remember right. Because that's what you do if it's in the olden days; you put it in sepia tone, and it looks. Kubit's Kubit's artwork and, and the and, yeah. and, and, and the the coloring, I guess, for those for both yeah. the origin as well, were like that. Yeah, it looked very very different to any mm. other Marvel book at the time, which was good. So back to the film. James panics and flees out the house before being stopped by Thomas's other son, Victor Creed, who is not only James's half brother, but also has sharp claw nails and healing factor mutation like James. They spend the next century as soldiers fighting in the American Civil War, both World Wars, and the Vietnam War in 1973. 
In Vietnam, the increasingly violent victor attempts to rape a Vietnamese woman and kills a senior officer who tries to stop him. James returns Victor upon the com- commotion and sorry, he turns to Victor upon the commotion and ignorant of his brother's intent, he rushes to defend him. This results in the pair being sentenced to execution by firing squad, which they survive due to their mutant healing abilities. Now, two things here. Now, this is what uh, a friend of mine, Tim Shelton, uh, pointed me out about this film. He told me about the film before I saw it. And he echoed, he pretty much said what, we, what I think we all thought. Obviously, one of the greatest openings to an X-Men film. But why did we not explore his time during these amazing moments in the last 200 years it's like we should have we should have seen him fight in 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 the in these wars but we just had we, we just got it reduced down to a montage sadly i thought well because uh, i do not think an audience wants that audiences want the origin of wolverine the claws the the metal weapon x that's what the audience wants you can't really do all of world war one all of world war two all of the vietnam war and then weapon x you could maybe try and give him those things before world war one but then you don't have the shadowy military espionage thing and you don't have real technology to do it all i'm thinking of now is steampunk wolverine (laughs) <laughs> oh, there's, there's numerous things out there yeah i'm sure also and okay i get that but a kind of part, part of me and part of my mate we wanted to see what happened how that how that happened but i guess you're right um i wanted to see what happened after the firing squad i wanted to see their faces as, as, or if they i mean whether they played dead or something do you think i think they yeah. would have played they would have played dead okay yeah yeah forget it uh, just no, i just really like just- they don't just walk away and say, it's fine, we're essentially gods. <laughs> they, they lie down like they're dead. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Okay, okay, so back to the wars. Wolverine's fighting through all these different wars, right? Is that something they invented for the movie, or did that happen? Oh, yeah. Um, yes, in the comic books, uh, Wolverine fought uh, in the Canadian Army during World War II, uh, World War One, but I don't think that they've written much about that. Modern comic books seem much more interested in World War Two, which is very flashy and very yeah. close to, um, I, I guess, the beginning of the modern uh, sort of pop culture of the sixties yeah, and yeah. stuff. Um, uh, he Logan distinguished himself during World War Two. Teamed up with Captain America. Cap recruits him to to work on a, on a dangerous mission where they encounter. Hydra for the first time, right as this secret group, like we talked about in the Nick Fury Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. Mm. episode, right as this secret group are stopping being Nazis and deciding to become something that can outlive this war, which is Hydra, Captain America recruits uh, Logan to join him and Nick Fury and Bucky in, in this in this um, this this secret black ops mission logan and and bucky do not get on there's a huge <laughs> amount of conflict in that um and vietnam mm. however is a bit of a different story wolverine does some deeply deeply horrible things during the war in vietnam he is very very far from being a hero during those years oh dear and 
we're going to deal with all of that dark history on our special Wolverine bonus episode on Patreon later this month. What, so a, what a great we'll bait. What a great bait. Mm. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. I can't, wait for, oh, I can't wait to do that one. So, back to the film. The mutant brothers are approached by Major William Stryker in military custody and offers them membership in Team X, a special team with special privileges. They accept and are introduced to the group of highly trained mutants including expert marksman Agent Zero, Katana-wielding mercenary Wade Wilson, teleporter John Wraith, super-strong and invulnerable Fred Dukes, and technopath Chris Bradley. James decides to uh, adopt the alias Logan. So, I don't want to hammer home to it. It was great seeing uh, uh, Wade Wilson pop up, and it is such a shame what they did to Deadpool in this film. But I do like the fact that he does get to get a few quips in there. A few quips made me a little happy. Yeah, I don't really understand the thing at all. (laughs) (laughs) I don't understand sewing his mouth shut. And I don't understand... And to justify that, they, I, don't, I just don't understand it at all. I don't understand it. I'd be very interested to know what the process was behind that because it was obviously terrible and lifeless. I can see... Um, I can see if Ryan Reynolds has as much mm-hmm. persuasive abilities and star power as he claims he had in the year <laughs> 2009 after a string of failures, perhaps he... Um, not failures, but you know he's not like a star or anything, is he? Um, I can see him, or, or or him and other people pushing and saying, you yeah. know, Deadpool should be the next property you spin off. Yeah, yeah, it'd be really good. We've got to get him in this movie. What that is based on at that stage is beyond me because Deadpool was in the doldrums. But anyway. Anyway, there we, go. we we know what happens next. Sorry, the way you said it, the the, 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 repeated, uh, the repeated theme in this is Ryan Reynolds and his big mouth. You make it you make it sound like he's that kid from school who says, "Yeah, my dad works at Nintendo," and you can there's there's, yeah. a, there's a SNES two coming out or something like. I mean, that. it sounds a lot like he's the kid from the Inbetweeners that's always talking about. You know all that stuff. I, I I don't know, man. I just I don't believe half of what he says. But then again, he is married to Blake Lively, so I, he must have some ability of, of to do stuff. I don't know. I don't know. I was swept in on a world of absolute lies. That's he's what... really he's really funny in interviews and stuff. You don't get me wrong, and he's obviously talented. But I don't know, man. <laughs> I like this. Anyway, 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 serious question, though. Uh, Team X, is that something we should know from the comics? Because it sounds like it. Yeah, um, they were added to Wolverine's backstory in in, in 1992, right after uh, Chris Claremont leaves. So once Daddy's gone, um, (laughs) Slash was pushed out of the comic book. Uh, John Byrne, who had been co-creator on the on the series in the nineteen seventies, he returned to become the writer and worked with Jim Lee, and he introduced this kind of espionage story mainly through flashback. Mm. Wolverine and the X Men are attacked by a deadly villain called Omega Red, who is a a Russian mutant super spy 
who has these horrific tendrils that come out of his arms that drain the life force from you and just make you sickly and Ooh. dying and dead. Um, and Wolverine has these flashbacks, these new memories emerge every time he's like knocked out. Um, and and he, he he you know the new memories are being uncovered because Wolverine has tons of amnesia and mm. memory implants and stuff and blocks and he remembers that he's fought Amiga Red before and he remembers that in the 1960s Wolverine was part of a CIA black ops squad of mutants called Team X mm. alongside Creed Sabretooth uh, John Wraith and a couple of others and the leader called Maverick um, and hello. Team X ran Black Ops missions during the Cold War. It was during this time that the military intelligence community first learns of Wolverine and Sabretooth's incredible ability to heal their wounds. Mm. And that, in turn, plants the seeds for various different shadow groups wanting them for the Weapon X project. Well, <clears throat> So, very interesting. So let's get back to the film. The first mission that Team X are assigned to is in Lagos. Is it Lagos or Lagos? Lagos. Lagos, Lagos, Nigeria. Agent Zero takes out the guards surrounding the building while Fred destroys a tank, allowing Victor to scale the building. The rest of the team take the elevator, which is shut down by the base's commander. Bradley uses his technopathic abilities to restart the elevator, allowing... how how much is a technopath going to be worth to you in 1973? In I, the mid-70s or whatever it is. They, you still have lights. Li- lights can be turned off. Lights. Elect- electronics, electronic locks, if there are any, which there are not too many of, can be turned off. No. <laughs> Come on. There aren't, are they? How many, how many electric locks are there in the 70s? A surprising amount. According go- to this film, yeah. According to this film, it's in Earth six seven two five or whichever, <laughs> whichever Marvel universe you want to go with, which has a lot of computers and tech in the seventies. Okay, yeah, let's just go with that. There's a lot of tape recorders that could be reround from a distance. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but you are right. A technopath isn't exactly the most useful. No, not even fax machines doing doing the rounds properly. <laughs> fax machines. What's he going to do? He can, he can call people quicker. I don't know. No one's got a phone on them. Well, he, restart- his- he restarted an elevator. Granted- he did. He restarted an elevator. Granted, anyone in that room could have found another way around <laughs> this problem. He simply restarted it because we needed to... cut. You know, all, all, all the spectrum of superhero powers, they decided to go, no, we need someone with abilities <clears throat> to that... To restart the lift. To restart the lift, because that's quite cool. Anyway... Allowing Wade to storm the next room, killing everyone inside except the commander, who is immediately quizzed by Stryker about a rare metallic rock on his desk. The team investigate the origin of the rock to a nearby village who say it came from the sky. Dissatisfied, sorry, dissatisfied with the answer and with a hint of psychosis, Victor kills one of the villagers, kicking off a bloodbath. Logan stops Victor killing an innocent villager, villager and decides to leave the team, which he sees as lacking self-control and empathy. So this was quite cool. This whole this whole bit was quite cool. Not not the village of Bloodbath, obviously that was horrible. The whole t- storming the base was cool because it was like show teamwork. There were some really good little scenes going on. Uh, yeah. Also, Agent Zero's stylish takedown felt like a Japanese anime. 
He did the bow <laughs> thing yeah. as well when he did it, and it's like that stylish, like sort of and rest sort of moment. And of course, a very stylish Deadpool scene. Uh, but they don't make it clear what his powers are at this point, do they? They didn't no. make it clear. They just went, this could be just some guy who's really good at swords. <laughs> yeah. Well, Agent Zero is just really good at shooting. This is true. This is true. This is true. What is Agent... Uh, we could talk about Agent Zero in a bit, are we? We will. We yeah. will. We'll save that for then. Okay. Uh, let's go back to Wolverine and uh, Creed. The fact they're brothers. Are they brothers in the comic books? Mm. It would make sense, yes. wouldn't it? Because they both have... Healing factors, claws, animalistic qualities. Biblically, biblically, it would make sense as well. Very Cain and Abel and whatnot. The so the original uh, X Men Dream Team was Chris Claremont and John Byrne. Byrne mm. was was the artist, but he was heavily involved in the stories and creating the plots. Yes, and then Claremont would go on and write the actual story and the dialogue, mm. and then Byrne would would do the drawing, and 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 Byrne sketched. A drawing, a design for what Wolverine would look like under the mask. You know, he 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 had forgotten that it had been revealed, but before <laughs> it could be used, everyone realised that Wolverine's face had actually been seen uh, before and been drawn by another artist. So Byrne took his idea mm. of what Wolverine sh- should look like and used it for a supervillain he was creating for the Iron Fist comic book that he was working on. Ah, a mercenary supervillain he called Sabretooth, who would be revealed hmm. to be a mutant with claw and fangs, and and, and 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 then later, much later, on a healing factor. Both characters now had these bestial features and characteristics, and were both quite a bit older than the rest of the main Marvel characters. So Clement and Byrne came up with the idea that Logan and Creed were both very long lived, had fought. In World War Two, and that Sabretooth was Wolverine's father. the The entire time that Clement is writing the X Men, there are tons of hints that this is their end game. Mm. Logan's heightened senses cannot smell Sabretooth because their scents are too similar. Ah. Sabretooth would always call Logan runt and boy when he insulted him. And he would dish out physical punishment, and he would always say it's it's by a way of teaching him. He would always do it when Wolverine disappointed him. Sabretooth knew everything about Logan's past that Logan didn't know, including Wolverine's birthday. But as both Byrne and Claremont left the the X Men books, all of them in general, and other writers came on board. That idea was left to the wayside. Maybe they didn't tell anyone else, and it just became a, a myth or something. Mm. In nineteen ninety one, around the time Claremont is leaving, or just after, in Wolverine's own comic book, writer Larry Hammer has a storyline where Sabretooth is. It, it's like the boiling. It's like the the I'm your dad thing has reached a, 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 a head. And mm. Sabretooth is now vocally saying out loud, I am your father, as he's trying to kill him. But Nick Fury performs some sort of DNA test and says, you are not father and son. Not, you're not related, but you are not father and son. However, that, that issue does end with Wolverine not knowing who to trust. Because Nick Fury, 
Nick Fury knows tons about Wolverine's past, decades of his of his serving history, and he refuses to tell Wolverine because he says it's it's, it's confidential. Mm. Um, and so he doesn't trust Nick Fury. Ergo, can he trust him saying he's not your dad? Um, when that origin series we talked about came out in 2001, once fans realised Dog Logan was not Wolverine, everyone speculated that Dog would then grow up to be Sabretooth. That sounds that about would make right. perfect sense mm. because of all the similarities before them. His half-brother... And whilst it would make sense and tie their relationship and similarities together, it was later firmly established that Dog and Victor Creed are two very separate people, and Sabretooth is not his brother. That would have been just, that would be a nice tie together. He just entirely separately and independently <laughs> has all these similar characteristics. <laughs> Fair play. Okay, so back to the film. Six years later, in 1979, Logan works as a logger in the Canadian Rockies, where he happily lives with his girlfriend, Kayla Silverfox. Meanwhile, in Ohio, Bradley is working at a carnival using his technopathic powers to trick punters. Ha! There we go. There's something he can do. (laughs) Yeah, he's a very limited con man in a carnival. (laughs) There we go. He's found his calling. One evening, Victor comes comes knocking at his door, frightening Bradley, who invites him inside anyway. Bradley tells Victor he has moved on from Team X, but after a tense conversation, Victor murders Bradley. So, with the Logan bit at the beginning here, I'm getting Rocky, sorry, not Rocky, Rambo, the other Sylvester Stallone character (laughs) living in the woods. I'm getting that, same with the Nick Fury thing. It's like, what, what's he doing now? He's in a cave. Yeah, Being yeah. manly. I'm getting that vibe here. Super manly. He's, he, he mostly wears a vest, doesn't wear proper clothes, because look at those muscles. Why would you want to cover such <laughs> greatness? <laughs> okay, but uh, getting away from to someone who with less, less impressive physique, Chris Bradley, is he one of Wolverine's friends in the comic book universe? No, um, he's not. But, but he is a mutant. Yeah. Um, in 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 the comic books, Chris is a, a, a like a teenager, a young kid, mm. um, who who can absorb uh, static energy. Yeah, the air, static electricity, and he can absorb electricity from machines and wires and stuff, uh-huh. and store it and use it to electrocute people, which is a useful power. He can also mm. create like an electric. Shield barrier, so if you come close to him, you get electrocuted. Okay, that is useful. Um, he doesn't turn <laughs> elevators back on. Um, <laughs> he doesn't turn elevators back on. He's not a repair man. I don't know. He, I mean, I, he might be able to. I don't know. Oh, um, he, 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 he's introduced um, in in like 1995. He's a kid mm. whose powers go out of control when he's in class, and then the X Men take him in and help him control his powers. He's a very minor character, only around for about a year. It, it, with the X Men, he's only around for about a year, mm. um, and he never had any connection to Wolverine. He he was close with Iceman, but not Wolverine. Okay. In in 1999, he's featured in another comic book about young heroes called New Warriors, where he gains a mentor mm. in Maverick from Wolverine's old Team X days. Ah, okay. Um, 
And then once Maverick dies, Bradley becomes the new Maverick. Okay. So he has a connection to Team X, but he's never a part of Team X. Uh, okay, he's, and, he's an auxiliary member. <laughs> well, no, he, no, Team X stopped in the nineteen sixties, um, and and uh, they didn't. I think they did a little bit more with him when. No, no, the two thousand nine. No, they they were finished with this character by the time the movie came out. I don't think they did anything else with him. I think he, no one's touched him since I think two thousand five or six. I think. I don't blame it. It's a very minor character. Mm. So back to the film. Back in Canada. Logan, suffering from PTSD from the wars he fought, is approached by Stryker and Zero, who tells Wolverine that Wade and Bradley have been killed. Someone is targeting the team. Logan, however, refuses and turns his back on them. Picking up Kayla and driving home, Logan almost starts a fight with two men blocking the road, but Kayla defuses the situation almost instantaneously, revealing her mutant powers of hypnosis. The next day, while Logan is working... Kayla is stopped in the road by a looming figure, Victor. Logan senses something's wrong and wanders the forest, discovering torn animal remains, uh, suddenly realises that Kayla is in danger and starts running. After finding Kayla's car empty with a huge claw mark over the bonnet, he discovers her bloodied corpse nearby in the forest. Only one person could have done this. Finding Victor in a nearby bar, they engage in a vicious fight, ending in Victor winning and snapping some of Logan's claws. Very brutal scene here, very brutal. Uh, but what can you tell us about Kayla Silverfox? Does she get murdered like this in the comics? Is she a prop- Does she become an X-Men or something? In the comic books, uh, this mm. character is Silver Fox, a, a member of the First Nation Blackfoot Confederacy, the indigenous people of Canada. Um, in the early 1900s, she and Logan are lovers. They Ooh. they live together in a in a cabin in this kind of frontier wilderness times part of Canada, mm. and and in this frontier community of settlers is where he meets Sabretooth for what he thinks is the first time. Ah, um, she was created by Chris Claremont basically as a way. Of introducing how sick and dangerous Sabretooth is. Mm. This is dark. So, Wolverine, Sabretooth, they've been in this frontier village thing for a while. Mm. And there is immediate, like, Wolverine describes it as, like, it's just an instinctual dislike. It's like one, one. Predator and another predator immediately know they're in the same area <laughs> and that it's going to go one way eventually. Mm. Wolverine's trying to leave that behind. Sabretooth repeatedly makes comments and basically is trying to bully him into a fight. One day, Wolverine comes home to find Silver Fox has been horribly murdered, beaten, and slashed to death in their cabin. Ooh. He 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 picks her up and he carries her body into town, into the, the local bar, asking for help because she's been killed. Mm. But none of the white people in the bar care because she's an, one of the indigenous people. She's not a white person, oh, and they use some horrible language. What's worth what's worse is, is Sabretooth is in the bar. He uses this this horrible racial slur, and he tells Wolverine 
that's what happens to women like her. Especially when they say no. Ooh. So, Sabretooth has raped and killed this woman just to spur him on, to F with him, to get him to fight. And they get into this big fight, even though the locals in the bar are telling Logan, um, don't do this over, you know, an indigenous person. That can't be worth it. She's not a white... You're not fighting over a white woman here. Um, but this fight is not a fight. It's Sabretooth just beating Logan brutally. This was part of the introduction of the concept that Sabretooth is bigger, stronger, tougher, and badder. And Wolverine cannot beat him. Um, It's a horrible beating. And Wolverine remembers this, and he's thinking that this is the first time he's ever met someone who could beat him and hurt him and just keep hurting him. Um, Wolverine has no choice but to run away. Uh, mm-hmm. And he kind of basically crawls out from underneath all this wreckage that he's in, flees into the wilderness, and tries to escape by climbing a mountain. And when he finally gets to the top of the mountain, exhausted and, and badly beaten, he finds Sabretooth waiting for him. And Creed gives him a choice. Crawl on your belly like a whipped animal or get up and we'll fight all over again. <laughs> and this second fight goes even worse than the first fight. Sabretooth savagely beats Wolverine whilst taunting him about Ooh. Silver Fox. And, and Logan remembers this in his thoughts being the first time that he truly felt fear in his whole life. And he only escapes by using all of his strength to push both of them off this mountain and down into the river to, to separate them. So Silver Fox is, is used as a real uh, woman in a refrigerator, which is a term coined in, in comic book and uh. uh, and criticism to, to denote a, a female character created solely so that violence against her can propel the male, male character into action. Um, and that's very much what, what's going on here. In fact, in the very issue where Silver Fox is first introduced and then we see her dead and mm. raped and all that, Wolverine's thoughts even admit that he didn't love her or have much strong feelings for her. But that this was just basically like Sabretooth has been bullying him for a long time and this poor woman's death is is just the last straw between us. You were calling me names from bumping into me for ages and now you've murdered her. I guess we'll have to fight, you know? Um, Silver Fox later returns not that much long later in terms of publication stories, but mm. she returns in the 1960s as part of Team X. And this is where things get very weird. Okay. 1900s to 1960s is something that seemingly only Wolverine and Sabretooth can do. Whilst mm. you know looking exactly the same, but here is Silver Fox looking the same. Um, there are so many memory implants floating around in the Team X gang that it's impossible to know what is real and what isn't. Logan and Creed work together during Team X, even though we've just seen he did this awful thing to the woman Wolverine was living with. Um, They're not trying to kill each other, they're working together. Silver Fox, or someone that looks like her, is part of this team, but doesn't seem to bring up or remember anything about being killed. Ooh, okay. Silver Fox, or this person called Silver Fox that looks like Silver Fox, 
eventually betrays the CIA, goes on to join Hydra, and she would <laughs> remain with Hydra for decades, um, and and keep tabs on Wolverine and stuff. In 1991, Wolverine is investigating his past and his memories, and he finds a CIA location with the X-Men, which contains, like, movie sets. Ooh. And one of the movie sets is the Pioneer Settlement, where he used to go. No. The bar where Sabretooth started kicking his ass and claimed that he'd done these horrible things. So Wolverine then... Is not sure if any of those memories are real. Silver Fox, or Mm. the woman purporting to be Silver Fox, who now works for Hydra, she was later murdered by Sabretooth again. Um, And and Wolverine at that time seemed to discover that the memories of them living together in a cabin and having a relationship were actually real, even if the other memories were were fake and so he he goes back finds the real cabin scatters her ashes and tries to do right by her there uh yeah we weird weird set of we're we're into the area where and we'll get into more of Mm. this as we go along it's very hard to know what is real and what isn't real as all these different writers come on board with wolverine and there's amnesia and there's fake memories and there's real memories there's stuff he hasn't remembered and then he suddenly remembers so there's a new thing and does it contradict the last new thing we came up with or the original thing? Or can we just say they were all fake memories? Yeah. That, I, I See, I like that because it leaves you questioning. There's, it, it, you come up with your own theories and you go, well, we'll never know. Until 2001 when they start doing origin stories and definitively saying... This is Wolverine's history. Yeah, 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 obviously. Okay, back to the film. Waking in hospital, Logan is immediately approached by Stryker, who is threatened by Logan for information on Victor. Stryker explains that Victor has gone rogue and offers Logan a way to become strong enough to get his revenge. After flying Logan to a secret facility, Stryker explains that the mysterious metallic rock they were looking for in Laos is adamantium. A virtually indestructible metal. His plan is to reinforce Logan's skeleton with this metal, turning him into a powerful weapon. When shown his old dog tags, Logan requests a new alias, Wolverine. The top secret procedure, codename Weapon X, is witnessed by high-ranking military officials, and the pain is so intense that Wolverine's heart rate goes beyond 300 beats per minute, and he flatlines However, after a few tense seconds, his pulse starts up again and Stryker gives the order to erase Wolverine's memory so he can be used as his own personal weapon. No sooner than the words leave his mouth, Logan launches into a murderous rage and escapes the facility. So this is a bit, this is like a repeat of the scenes we saw in X-Men 2, but I always thought those scenes in X-Men 2 were way more traumatic. They looked horrible. From what the little blinks yeah. you see, there, there, you could see genuine pain. He was covered in blood. Here, it was a bit cleaner. <laughs> it felt very. I don't tough. know if he was covered in blood because I think it had the same certificate rating, but it made you feel like he was covered in blood. Perhaps it was black and white or something. Uh, so maybe they did a Hitchcock or something and fooled you yeah. to think he was covered. But yeah. I remember I it, mean, there's something. There was very visceral feel to it. But this just kind of looks like, eh, 
very clean, very clean. Yeah. It's st- it obviously, it's still an uncomfortable watch because of what's happening. But yeah. So this is it, right? This is how Wolverine gets his metal in the comic books. Or he wasn't born with adamantium, was he? This is how he gets it. This is the process. Well, we well. know that originally the claws were only going to be part of his gloves. Yes. Um, and then a couple of years later on in the X-Men comics, that mm. he was seen to have them without his gloves on. And the other X-Men are surprised. They say, oh, I, I didn't know they were part of, your, they part of your body. I didn't know that. And he's gruff and antisocial as usual. And he says, why would you know? It's not like you know anything else about me. Bob. Um, <laughs> and they, they, they are revealed to be retractable from mm-hmm. inside his forearms. Ooh. It wasn't until 1979. You're right there. You just seem to have a little. No, <laughs> no, no one's. No one's ever really said, "Oh, they're in his forearms." But you know, they're in his forearms. Yeah. And then I yeah. just imagined the feeling of them going back into my own forearms, and it was quite tingly. Mm. Like you know, when you've had. Well, obviously, you've had an injection, so you know. You, you ever had a twinge in your muscle where you f- suddenly feel how deep the needle is? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that uh, sensation you, went all up my forearms just then. If you didn't catch that passive aggression, Will is uh, <laughs> a little bit jealous that I've had the vaccination and and it's not come <laughs> around to him yet. So oh no, had a, you've had a jab, haven't you? I, I wish I could get vaccinated <laughs> right now so I could not do anything because the pubs are still shut. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, anyway. So it, it, it's not until 1979 that we find out that Wolverine's whole skeleton is, in his words, made out of adamantium. Um, the ah. same metal as his claws. Okay. Uh, in the 1991... It's an amazing series by Barry Windsor Smith. He writes and draws mm. the first Weapon X storyline. It's one of the first glimpses of Wolverine's past. After working for the Canadian Intelligence Agency for a while, Logan is kidnapped by a shadowy military group and prepared for this adamantium bonding process to his body Mm. Um, there are lots of mentions of it being tough Um, the the, the process is overseen and ran by someone who's only known as the professor the director (laughs) of the weapon x program Um, and and they wipe his mind Mm. bond him to the adamantium and they they talk about they're going to make him soulless. Oh, They're going to wipe his mind and, and make him a killing machine. And it is going to be removing his, his soul is, is how it is presented. Um, and in this story, too much adamantium in the process, bonding to his forearms, results in his claws. Ah, okay, that's weird. Develops these tubes, this flesh that, that keep the skin apart, claw retraction, and that's mm. how it is described in in the story. Um, throughout the, the the program, the whole process of it, Logan is never referred to as a person, but always as a subject. Right. Um, it, it it the soulless aspect of it, and and the subject aspect of it, it is very much disregarding his humanity he has a virtual reality helmet on that is meant to condition and brainwash him mentally program him into mm. sort of being 
uh, an obedient but wild killing machine. Um, but he 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 breaks free, um, and 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 off he goes, murdering everyone and running off naked into the um, <laughs> into the woods. Much of the story arc of of Weapon X follows the formula of of like a slasher movie, okay, with the protagonist being stalked in an isolated location by mm. a seemingly unstoppable killer, and we get these these then glimpses and flashes of the actual process. A great series. Um, it, so that was originally meant to be the explanation for Wolverine's claws. They were they were part of of that process. Too much, too much adamantium in 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 the process. And his mutant powers were only meant to be healing ability, heightened animal senses, and his strength and agility. Wow. The important part of all of this with that Weapon X is that the only people that can survive it are people with a healing factor. Which is why it's Wolverine and Sabretooth that are used as part of the process. Um, then in nineteen ninety three, there was another big X Men story crossover called Fatal Attractions, <laughs> and, and that executed on the long held joke of why doesn't Magneto just control all of Wolverine's metal? <laughs> so that's exactly what Magneto does. He rips the adamantium out of Wolverine's body. He turns it to he, he turns it to liquid on a molecular level mm. and he rips it out of the open wounds that are already oh. there. In, in uh, Wolverine's been in a massive fight and he's bleeding mm. badly, which normally isn't a problem, but now out comes all of the liquid adamantium. It 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 destroys Wolverine. His healing factor goes into overdrive just to keep him alive and then his healing factor pretty much shuts down. It, it was assumed by everyone that this would mean the end of Wolverine's claws, but in the very same issue, the next issue, it's revealed that Wolverine then has these deadly sharp bone claws hmm. that tear their way through his skin to come out. Ooh. And it is also explained that previous... You know, his healing factor meant that he would not really feel... It and it would heal the wounds immediately. He'd be fine. And now, anytime he wants to use his claws, they have to burst out of his, out of his hand, out of his flesh, and rip their way through to use them. And it's a bloody thing every time he does it. Um, and Wolvie would not get the adamantium back for seven years. The nineties gave us a very different and very depowered Wolverine. Minimal healing factor, no unbreakable skeleton, no metal claws. That's a lot. That's a lot. So back to the film. After seeing Wolverine escape, he orders Zero to hunt him down and take his head off. At a nearby farm, the owners witness a naked Logan sprinting into their barn. The husband, armed with a shotgun, finds a shivering Logan crouching inside and invites him in to stay. While he freshens up, he examines his new adamantium claws, which have provided him with a frighteningly effective upgrade over his previous bone claws. The next morning, Zero arrives at the farm and kills the elderly <coughs> couple before ordering a helicopter attack on Wolverine, escaping on a mo- who is escaping on a motorcycle. After trying to lose the helicopter in the forest, a couple of armoured cars give chase. Suddenly, the helicopter cops off Wolverine, forcing him to turn around and take out one of the jeeps with his claws. 
Taking control of the other jeep, it's shortly destroyed by a rocket from the chop from the chopter. Sorry, chopter. The chopter. The chopter from the cop. Get to the chopter. Get to the chopter <laughs> from the copter, which launches Logan straight at it. Who uses his claws to slice apart the blades, making it crash. That was a cool scene. I really like that. That was ridiculous, but cool, and I'll talk about it in a sec. Finding out from the from uh, Zero's radio that Striker was behind this, he swears revenge before igniting the helicopter wreckage, killing Zero. So a lot a lot happened here. Uh, I like this the shot. Obviously, let's, actually let's, let's talk about the helicopter scene because you're excited. Helicopter scene was incredibly ridiculous, but it was cool. It was. Inc- it should be. It should be ridiculous. It's a superhero film. Yeah, but he got launched at it, and whenever people get launched at things like a ragdoll, like oh, but they they control it in the end, and it's fine. I'm just like, oh come on, <laughs> don't be silly. Well, I don't know, man. We didn't have some of this criticism in some of the MCU projects when wild, crazy things happen. I don't know. I don't know. It it it's, it doesn't seem like Wolverine would be the kind. Spider Man, yes. Wolverine, the fastball special. What are you talking about? One of the most famous combat moves that Wolverine does is in partnership with Colossus, where right. Colossus picks him up and launches him through the air at like a sentinel or a helicopter or whatever. And Wolverine tucks his body <laughs> to be a ball and then stretches out and just decapitates things. Okay, the fastball okay. special, baby. <laughs> okay, okay. You got you, got, you very good point there. I, I like the shot where the old couple see Logan uh, streak past naked, and right in frame is the bumper sticker saying, All who wander are not lost. I thought that was a very. Oh, I didn't spot that. That's cool. Very. It's, a, it's, it's one of those really stupid jokes. It's like a little visual gag, and it's like, that actually was quite good. As a visual... But it's also, I think it has kind of like almost a spiritual aspect to it in terms of Wolverine's character as well. I, I know, it, it's, it, there's a depth to it there, but on the surface <laughs> level, it's like there is clearly a man who is wandering who is definitely <laughs> lost. If you're definitely naked lost. and running through the woods, you are lost. <laughs> there's no doubt but about that. But for the first time in his life, yep. he is moving towards his true purpose. There we go. Ah, 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 ah. I can't laugh at his bum. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> also, yeah, I, we, it's been mentioned, we're going to mention oh. it here, the CGI on his claws in the bathroom scene. Oh it's my... The, so... Oh my god. What happened there? It looks like it was done in the 90s. The early 90s. That's how it looks. It looks like it was done on MS Paint. It's so <laughs> bad. Yes, it does! One, one thing I realised, I think the claws themselves were at a different... Now, this is going to get a bit nerdy. They're at a different frame rate by the look of it. So they moved a bit jerkily. Right. I think they look, they were at a different frame rate, which is I think they don't, have a, they don't have a good idea of the size of these claws because they seem to be bigger and smaller. Perspective is off. I'm, I'm trying to visualise now. The colour is off. Yeah, they, they, they looked a bit too light. They looked like they were, you know, you know, you know, yeah. like in Who Framed Roger Rabbit when they're picking up cartoon things. Yeah, and he had that otherworldly. Uh, or uh, the other thing I thought of in my head was the lightsaber. You know, the lightsaber in the original Star right. Wars. It is it kind of feeling of is it there or is it not there? And yeah, it's that yeah. Kind of otherworldly thing. It was like that. It was very badly done. Every, I think every single person mentioned this that wrote to us about it. Every person that commented about this movie mentions the the claws scene. The, the bad CGI on the claws. Every one of them. It's infamous. And that is the finished product as well. It's, this, this is the thing. It's 2009. 
We've had three X-Men films and this has never been a problem. It's never been a problem never. before. It's, it's not like they're doing this for the first time and it's like, oh, it's teething pains. Don't worry, they'll get the special effects right one day. No, you did. You got three. it right three times in three the past. Three times. <laughs> what? What? Did you not hire the same guy again? <laughs> Was he oh, the one? Oh, you know what? Yeah. Jeff is the only bloke who knows how to make the claws. <laughs> Jeff's on holiday. He can't make this movie. Now he's gone Tenerife. Jeff's the only one who can make claws. Can't you? No, I can do Colossus skin. And Bill over there, he can do Magneto hands. And I think Simon can do uh, Fireman. But no, only only Jeff can do claws. No, okay, do sorry, we, do he's we have, gone. Do we have Final Cut Pro? No, going to have to use MS Paint. <laughs> oh, brutal. Horrible. Absolutely brutal. Uh, brutal end for Agent Zero as well Trapped in a helicopter and blowing up Also the most generic name for a Marvel character Is he someone from the comics? Because that's just he, he is, it's someone we've already talked about Oh we have, have we? In this episode um, Agent Zero is a terrible generic movie name You're right, yeah. it's awful But he is he, The leader of Team X is the CIA agent Maverick also, oh, oh, has right, right. this really cool look and design mm. from Jim Lee, one of like the most famous superstar artists of all time, mm. and he he was a shadowy and and mysterious CIA agent, and he seems to be in Team X one of the few who doesn't have all these constant memory implants and mind blocks and stuff, mm. um, and yeah, he was a cool figure from Wolverine's past, and then in two thousand and two. But he was a white man called Jacob. That's important. <laughs> yeah. 2002, he undergoes this bizarre reboot and rebranding, which Marvel did loads of mutant characters. Mm. Um, I believe Cable became rebranded as Soldier X, and Deadpool became rebranded as Agent X. And okay. then at the same time... Maverick was rebranded as Agent Zero. Really dreadful generic name. They they got rid of the cool, the really cool Jim Lee design costume, and they just covered him up in this kind of like dull black, you know, sneaking into mm. places outfit and uh, and like a full face black like face masky thing with goggles. And yeah, Agent Zero, despite the fact it means nothing, off he is. Yeah, really, really sucked. I always thought. Maverick was a really cool design, and um, I know it's I know it's like a bit like a Top Gun name, but it kind of worked in the in the context of code names and stuff. Yeah, Agent Zero does sound like a placeholder name. Yes. Okay, so back to the film. On the run, Logan locates Wraith and Dukes at a boxing gym in Las Vegas. After accidentally insulting Dukes, who has ballooned in size due to a guilt-induced eating disorder, they spar in a boxing fight. Despite Dukes' unstoppable body mass, it's no match for Logan's adamantium skeleton. After the fight, Dukes explains Mm. that Victor still works for Stryker, hunting down mutants for Stryker to experiment on at his new laboratory, located at a place called The Island. Dukes also mentions Remy Gambit LeBeau, the only one who escaped from the island and therefore knows its location. Logan heads off to find Gambit with Wraith in tow. Meanwhile, at a nearby school, Victor tracks down and apprehends a teenage Scott Summers for Stryker. I thought the Scott Summers cameo felt a bit pointless. 
It felt like we need someone like like to say, oh, we need a placeholder mutant. Hey, hey, hey! Why don't we use Scott, a young Scott Summers to tie it all together? Yeah, they, for some reason, had fixated on the idea of giving dead Weapon 11 laser eyes at the end. Yeah. So they have to introduce Scott Summers here. Okay, okay. Basically, usually I would say, all oh, right, the ends justify the means, but the end is terrible. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh, we need that for Weapon 11. But we don't want Weapon 11. Oh. The okay. the ends suckify the means. <laughs> oh, that's going to be put on a badge one day. Okay, uh, Fred Dukes obviously looks like someone from the cartoon series. I dare I ask, because I know it is. Is he a character Who is it? I should know? It's Who Blob. Is he? It's Blob. It is the Blob, one of the earliest X-Men villains. Um, yep. Fred Dukes created, the, the Blob, sorry, created uh, in 1964 by Stanley, Jack Kirby, as this big uh, circus sideshow freak guy mm. um, who invited members of the public to try and move him. Using whatever they wanted, and then you know, pay pay your dollar, pay your dollar, move the blob. Can you move the blob? Hey, Mister, you look like a strong guy. Pay five dollars, see if you can move the blob. And no one could move the blob. And then people would like do try and push him with a car. They tie like ropes to him, and then try and drive their car away to to like yank him by the force of the car. But no That's one incredible. could move the blob. Professor X uh, connect. Uh, connects him uh, communicates with him and connects with him and says Mm. you are a mutant Uh, there's this new thing called mutants and you're one of them and I've got this helmet on my head that tells me who's a mutant and you're one of them (laughs) here's my amazing mansion it's also a school why don't you come and join the X-Men and Fred was like I am better than all of you nerds I don't hang out with nerds (laughs) and Fred was right he was right to do that. So he he leaves, he goes back to the carnival, and he's like, mm. I'm a mutant now, someone's told me. I'm taking over the carnival. Like, smacks the guy in charge out of the way and says, you carnies, you all work for me now, and we're now going to be an army. And let's go and beat up these teenagers who are all freaks, and then we're going to steal their amazing technology. Oh, God. <laughs> And 50% of that plan worked. Oh, yeah. Because Dukes and his carnies beat the X-Men immediately. (laughs) They just beat them. And they tie them all up and leave them on the lawn. And then they're like, cool, let's go and rob this mansion. Uh, But but then Professor X just mind wipes everyone because he's Professor X. And he can just (laughs) do that whenever he wants. And it's frankly weird he doesn't do it all the time. (laughs) Like, why is that not the end result of every plot? Oh, my team have failed again. Mind wipe everyone. Sorry, I can't go. I can't do it because of moral code. You absolute nerd, Charles. Yeah, you nerd. Big nerdo. Uh, so then uh, the Blob turns to proper mutant villainy. He joins the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants. And he's he, he's mainly in the, 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 the more longer-lasting Brotherhood, which is the one that's ran by Mystique. Um, and he's frequently... You know, that's the one that's got Pyro and Avalanche in. Mm. And the three of them are kind of like, you know, that's how you know you've got a proper Brotherhood. You've got Pyro and you've got Avalanche and you've got the Blob. 
Um, yeah, his powers are originally he, he his, it's just his like his 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 mutation is his skin, his his blubbery mass, which makes him impervious to pretty much all harm. You can't shoot bullets, bombs, knives; they they don't hurt him. They will not affect his mass. Even Wolverine's claws struggle to do any damage. It's like a big balloon, isn't it? It's like a big, very. It's just tough balloon. it's it, it's it's like those kind of like bouncing balls and balloons things that are so rubbery, almost like Mister mm. Fantastic. Yeah, you can't like get the the you can't get the penetration point on it because they just keep yeah. stretching and bending and like your arm will vanish inside of him. <laughs> um, <laughs> And 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 it gives him his sheer size and mass kind of give him incredible strength and resilience and presumably he's got a super powered heart as well uh, just to be able to walk around. Later writers started to explain or wanted to explain how he absolutely cannot be moved by any force. I mean, right. the only characters that have moved him, I think, are Juggernaut and the Hulk, and that's it. Well, I, th- I, th- um, I think the Juggernaut and the Hulk would be that. No, so jog- Juggernaut versus Blob would be unstoppable force meets a movable object, yes, wouldn't it? it? That's exactly that. exactly how they pitched it. Yeah, 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 um, yeah. What they started to write is that he has his own personal gravitational field, <laughs> which he he's not conscious of, but yeah. he unconsciously controls it. And when he anchors his gravitational field, that's that. Um, he's like Thor's hammer. Years. He's like Thor's hammer in, in a way. No, no. Nope. Oh, Thor's hammer is a mystic object that operates under like a reverse curse, and it judges your soul. God, will Thor's Thor's, Thor's <laughs> hammer's a magic hammer? You idiot! He's not a fat man. But we, I mean, folks. Uh, but I was thinking about the attention. rules. Will. Will, I, I, I think he has some sort of magic blindness. First of all, he thinks that anything... He thinks so many things that aren't magic are magic. He thinks telepathy is magic. He thinks telekinesis is magic. I have never it's, said telepathy is magic. You have come so... You have. You said, oh, yeah, but... Because like, it's, it's they've got those magic powers, haven't they? They're not magic. I, I meant magic now, in a kind of make fun of way. Now I think he thinks the blob is a magic boy, <laughs> a magic, magic blubber boy. boy. <laughs> um, so yes, yeah. <laughs> yeah, carry on, carry on. After a certain someone who we talked about a lot recently cast a certain spell to eliminate ninety nine percent of all mutants around the world, who Blake uh, Dukes, Lively? That's right. <laughs> Dukes found himself no longer a mutant, just suddenly. A very, very, very dangerously fat man. Um, Who then gets gout. (laughs) After briefly attempting and failing to commit suicide, he becomes a weight loss guru in Japan. No way! Yeah. Oh, no. I'm just imagining him like losing all that weight, and then suddenly there's this metric ton of excess skin. He he then has very recently he's just appeared back to normal, back to being the blob again. So I I don't know, man. Something's <laughs> happened. That is that is crazy. I I remember Blob from the cartoon he uh, and the video yeah. game, video game. He was he was quite the character. You could never move him. It was no. annoying. 
(laughs) You've explained him, Will. You've summarised him. Anyway, back to the film about magic. (laughs) (laughs) Not Harry Potter. It's like it's basically Harry Potter, but a bit violent. Uh, <laughs> Rafe and Logan find Leboa in New Orleans playing poker in a bar. Say it properly. New Orleans. New Orleans. New Orleans. New Orleans. Oh, I'm no, really, I, sorry. New Orleans. New Orleans. New Orleans. I, I, when no, I, no, I, no. no Orleans. W. I. There's no W. When I saw when I saw this, uh, I was like, it, it kind of like stirred up that urge to go visit America again, but go oh. te- go to New Orleans. Every time I see New Orleans on anything, I want I just want to be there immediately. Yeah, yeah. I I, I want to be there. I want to I want to you know break sobriety to try some bourbon and eat shrimp. Well, you know what the 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 big the big our big end goal should be, don't you? What we build this pla- We build this podcast <laughs> until we're massive, and then we do a, a, a an America a tour of America. We do live shows on the roads. We see America. Visit the locations. We, visit lo- visit locations. We, we we visit Marvel Marvel uh, headquarters. I th- I think that's all uh, totally doable. Winks at camera. <laughs> yeah. Spread the word, baby. Spread the word. Get those VIEPs donating. We pay for our holiday, damn it. <laughs> so anyway. No. Do the right thing. Do the right thing and pay for our holiday. Uh, <laughs> Wraith and Logan find Lebo in New Orleans playing poker in a bar. While Logan talks to him, Wraith offers to cover the exit in case Gambin tries to escape. Outside, Wraith is pounced by Victor and the two engage in a short fight that sadly ends with Rafe accidentally teleporting onto Victor's hand who grabs hold of his spine from inside and snaps him it's absolutely brutal it's horrible it's a horrible moment it's, the, it's, it's such a violent thing it, it's just ghastly anyway inside the bar Gambit One, you know just to, just yeah. to interrupt because I don't you yeah. know we didn't we didn't put any I, I, I forgot to mention this during the mailbag section and we probably should have done um one other thing that everyone mentioned about this movie in their comments is how great Sabretooth is how he's their favorite part of the movie i thought he was quite bland ah uh, me and everyone else if you check the comments which i'm sure you read diligently uh they said leaf shiver was the best thing in it and Sabretooth was the best thing in the movie i mean Um, and i wanted to give that a shout out I he didn't stand out that much for me. I don't know. You're wrong. Incorrect. Next. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't stand out. Blake Lively, on the other hand. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> anyway, inside the bar, Gambit doesn't take kindly to Logan's tone and throws energized playing cards at him, throwing him through a wall and into the alley where Victor stands over Wraith's corpse, extracting his DNA. Another fight kicks off with Logan's new skeleton giving him the upper hand. But before Logan can kill him... <laughs> that sounds like it stood, stood next to him. Come on, skeleton! Help me win this fight! <laughs> You're no match for my new skeleton. I mean, I physically can't move right now because uh, I'm just if, flesh. <laughs> if that actually happened, the skeleton <laughs> has got to be dancing with a top hat and cane. <laughs> like, and then just starts beating people up. Anyway, leave my fleshy friend alone. He can't move. He's all sinewy and tendony. 
That actually happened in the last Terminator film, but that's about that. Anyway, but before Logan can kill him, Gambit enters the fray and uses his energized bow staff to break up before fighting Wolverine. After yet another intense fight, Gambit agrees to help Wolverine find the island and release the mutants captured there. Okay, Gambit. We're going to talk about him in a sec, because it is the perfect time to talk about Gambit. I don't think we gave it enough time to talk about him in uh, the X-Men animated series episode. Uh, before we do, though, uh, it doesn't look uh, much like Gambit here, does he? Can, when, when, he doesn't look like Gambit no. at all. Cause, cause, like, no, not really. This is the thing. I can see why they didn't use the costume, because they would needed extra time to get the audience on board explaining why he's wearing what appears to be underpants crossed with a snood over his head, why he's wearing futuristic oh, body yeah. armour, and he's got red eyes, and all this. You know, His costume isn't exactly casual. He's a superhero. Yeah, but he's playing cards in a bar. Yeah, what I'm saying is none of the, none of the X-Men in this look like the x-men in the comics yeah, at yeah. all yeah true true wolverine I've, I've, yeah. wolverine's only th- like cyclops has a visor wolverine yeah. has claws the rest are just guys wearing biker jackets and leather <laughs> pants it sucks it's always sucked in every movie it sucks and and even when they gave him like stylized like jumpsuit costumes it still sucks <laughs> superheroes wear bright cool costumes that's why they're awesome I don't want them to be realistic. What is what parts of you thinks they should be more bland? Why would that be a thing in your head, movie producers? Oh god, that was something there. That was something there. So let's talk about Gambit, shall we? Let's mm. talk about Gambit. How, what, so you, what did you think of Gambit from based on the on the cartoon series? That'd have been your first view of him, wouldn't it? Well, would you, would you sleep out? Uh, <laughs> I, I Gambit was easily one of my favourite characters. Him and Wolverine were both my favourite. I mean, I think maybe Gambit more than Wolverine actually. <clears throat> Gambit mm. had a, had that charm, that care about him, uh, while Wolverine was just you know badass. Wolverine was just want to fight all the time. I want to fight. I'm but, but, so angry that I'm not. Kissing the redhead. <laughs> to be fair, a lot of us angry because we're not kissing a redhead. <laughs> but the but yeah, um, Wolverine was wrapped up in a, in a whole lot yeah. of other stuff, wasn't he? And Gambit was jumping into speeding cars with with like beautiful women and like flirting and just Gam- cool. Gambit had more control, sort of more control and agency over his life, unlike Wolverine, which was just under the pressure of PTSD and his his rage and everything. Gambit was more mentally put together, and I think I liked him because of that. He was created um, in 1990 by uh, Chris Claremont, Big Daddy Chris, and Mm -hmm. and, um, superstar artist Jim Lee. Mm -hmm. He was a mutant whose powers are... He can charge objects with this kinetic energy that makes them explode. Yeah. So if he does it with a playing card, it's like throwing a grenade. Um, <laughs> if he does it with larger objects, then the objects give off more kinetic uh, explosive energy. Um, he also has, which it rarely comes up, like a, a low-level hypnotic charm. 
Ooh. that he can use on people, but only people who don't know about it. So strangers, <laughs> basically. It makes him the perfect thief and con artist. Mm. Um, he's he's introduced in, in a storyline where Storm has lost her powers and her memories and has actually been de-aged <laughs> back to being a child. Don't ask. And she's reverted to being a street thief, which is kind of her her, her deal when she was a young kid. Um, she was uh, poverty-ridden streets, and she was a pickpocket. And that's where she, she encounters this charming, roguish thief, Gambit, who saves her from some dangerous threats, and they bond over how awesome it is to con innocent people and steal from them. <laughs> and... Um, when she regains her memories and, and grows up and get you know goes back to being normal, she invites Remy to to join the X Men, where he he is immediately at odds with the rest of the team. No one trusts him. He's literally a thief and a con artist, and um, Wolverine especially doesn't trust him. And, and he's also immediately thrown into the team's wild adventures. I think he goes to space very quickly, and then they have a whole. After a, after maybe a year or so, his past comes back to haunt him. He was a member of the Thieves Guild, this Ooh. underground network in 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 New Orleans and and Louisiana and stuff. And then as they have a a, a, a lifelong feud with the Assassins Guild and <laughs> a whole bunch of stuff. Like you said, Gambit was different to a lot of Marvel characters. He he has a lot of edge to him, which made him very popular with readers, especially female readers. Um, he's a bad boy. He stole and smoked and didn't care about the rules and had awesome hair. But he wasn't like a gruff, ugly, hairy murderer like Wolverine. <laughs> he was a he was he was a pretty boy with a bit of an edge, right? Yeah. He wasn't and like he wasn't weighted down by the ghosts of. Decades of oppression and murder and dead loved ones. He's a cool guy, right? Yeah. Um, he's constantly voted uh, in in like the top five or top three sexiest male comic book characters of all time. Um, so he he definitely has the female uh, gaze upon him. Jim Lee drew him when he created him and Jim Lee makes everyone look cool and badass but Gambit exploded off front covers throwing these playing cards as weapons it's such a cool visual it is so cool. awesome these charged things that explode like it just was awesome and it conveyed in, in you know into you know the, the animated world in 92 once Chris Claremont left the X-Men comics that's when Gambit began this flirtatious Pursual of of rogue, and that dynamic sparked a huge interest in in the pairing, and was a large, a really big part of the wonderful interpersonal soap opera of the X Men <laughs> comics. The cat and mouse, will they, won't they, became a major dynamic, and 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 slowly but surely, and this is how you do it if you want to write a com if you want to write. A character that will really appeal to a kind of a young female demographic. Slowly but surely, Gambit is revealed to not just be a bad boy with great hair, but someone who actually secretly harbors romantic feelings for Rogue. Um, and the that's the absolute dream fantasy romance character, really. 
Um, and then there's another level of emotional torment because Rogue's mutation meant that she couldn't kiss or touch anyone for fear of killing them. They can never really get together, which is especially appealing to people who are very perhaps nervous about the physical side of the romance they want. You know, uh... it's the classic. It's the Twilight story. It's the Buffy Angel story. Two very hot people who are desperate to bang but cannot because of a mystical slash science fiction plot. <laughs> it's catnip to a certain demographic and audience. Um, you know, it's why boy bands have to have not just the bad boy, but also the non-sexual one. <laughs> like, a, a, a boy band's appeal has to be, like, hot, but also quite non-threatening. <laughs> yes, not, like, that was it. Wasn't it on The Simpsons, uh, Lisa's reading non-threatening boys magazine? Right, literally okay. non-threatening boys magazine. Sure, yeah, yeah. Um, and and this that that catnip popular relationship, which didn't ju- it wasn't just you know I don't want to say that it was particularly written solely with a, with like a, 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 a perhaps that 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 idea in mind of what it would who it would appeal to, but it certainly you know played to those strengths, and it then went into the directions and stuff. It grew and evolved as a relationship. But but it carried over into the into the popular the amazingly popular nineties X Men cartoon and the guy the, the characters that came out of that as being insanely popular were Wolverine Rogue and and Gambit uh, Wolverine because he's Wolverine Rogue and Gambit kind of because of of because of who they are but also that relationship that dynamic was so exciting and interesting to people and I think you are right. In in that the difference between Wolverine and Gambit is the is the cool factor. Yeah, like Wolverine is Wolverine is cool, but he's he's like he's Stone Cold Steve Austin. And <laughs> Gambit Gambit is the Rock. Yeah, Stone Cold yeah. Steve Austin is gonna beat your ass every day I... of the week and yell about it, and the Rock is gonna. He's going to take the mic and he's going to laugh at you and he's going to make jokes and then he's going to go off to Hollywood with the girl. I I, I would have gone with HBK. No. No. Oh. No. No. Apparently Gambit's no. not HBK, he's the rock. No, he's the rock. He's so clearly the rock. <laughs> HBK HBK we can't we can't do a spin-off, a wrestling spin-off show. No, because I don't but... know that. Actually, no, it would be perfect because I don't know that much about wrestling. <laughs> Gambit was was really popular in the nineties, but mm. he never got to that next level like Wolverine did. Yeah. So he had a few shots with limited series like, you know, Gambit, a five issue series here and and there, but they never really sold well. Mm. So he never gained his full monthly spin-off series and he never went on and on to further and further kind of success. It it, it kind of indicated that fans loved Gambit as part of an ensemble, as part of the X-Men, and they loved Gambit and Rogue but unlike Wolverine, they didn't really want to see Gambit's solo adventures. And over the years, writers would do quite a lot of things to keep casting Gambit as the outsider. Someone that could not be trusted within the X-Men. Um, and yeah, and, and, and that one big move was made that I think tarnished him forever. There's a famous storyline in the Ooh. in the 80s called um, the Mutant Massacre, where we talked about the Morlocks, a, a, a bunch of mutants who live in the 
subterranean tunnels under under Manhattan. Mm. In the Mutant Massacre storyline, Mr. Sinister sent his hit squad of assassins down there to slaughter all the innocent Morlocks, many of which had no um, combat powers. There were there were like women and children there. There were families there. These were just out, you know. They 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 did not. They their mutations made them look so kind of awful that they couldn't fit in above ground. Well, Mister Sinister viewed that as a genetic dead end, and he sent these these assassins down there, and they just wiped people out. It was brutal. Ooh. And in in the mid to late in the mid nineties, it was revealed that um, Gambit had been working for Mister Sinister. He betrayed the Morlocks, he led the assassins into the tunnels, and he'd also been working for Sinister for a very long time. And that really tarnished how everyone viewed the character. The, the, it almost like killed the spell of romance. Yeah. Rogue never like Rogue like wouldn't forgive him for a long period of time. And it was never dispelled as oh, it wasn't really him, it was a clone or it was mind control. It was just it was just him being a bad, per- not a bad boy, a bad person, and mm. and leading to the this this awful massacre, and like Gambit, I don't think has ever really recaptured our hearts ever since. I remember you you kept hinting about the fact he he committed he was responsible for genocide, and I was like every so every time we talked, I was like mm, looking forward to this. I'm really happy to hear reverse. Reverse Schindler, that's what I call him. Reverse Schindler. <laughs> he, he he literally led the mutant Nazis to this oppressed underclass and, and opened a door and said, Go! And tearfully, tearfully looking at things going, This could have been three more people. This could have been yeah. more. I could have done more. I could have killed yeah. more. Anyway, we've heard a lot about Gambit there. Back to the story. At Stryker's secret facility on Three Mile Island, with various mutants in cryogenic storage, a military official, after finding out that Stryker's son is a mutant who went out of control, tells him that the military are shutting his project down. Mad with power, Stryker stabs him to death with a medical instrument. Way above the facility, Gambit pilots a plane with Wolverine as the sole passenger, who jumps out as they pass by at a safe distance. Finding Stryker about to co- uh, operate on another mutant, he explains his plan to create the ultimate mutant from the combined powers of all other mutants. He also reveals that Kayla is alive as she enters the room unharmed. Her death was faked by Victor and then forced by Stryker to keep an eye on Logan in exchange for her sister's safety. After a tearful Logan is allowed to exit the facility, Stryker refuses to release Kayla's sister and denies Victor the adamantium bonding promised for his service, claiming that the test results revealed Victor would not survive the operation. In his rage, Victor goes to kill Kayla, but her screams alert Logan and he storms back inside to rescue her and finish Victor. After throwing him through a window and about to pale his head, Kayla tells Logan that he's not an animal and chooses to merely knock him out instead of butchering him. A tearful mistake. I know, mistake. Could have could have ended a lot there. A tearful Kayla apologizes to Wolverine and tells him that Stryker has her sister and they need to rescue her. So there's a few bits here, like that's mutant uh, in the cryogenic. That's definitely Stryker's son, isn't it? You can tell from the different eye coloration from um, the the second movie. Yeah, yeah, the second movie. Yeah, that's that Stryker's son. 
I guess so. I, I'm yeah. going to go with it because he had different coloured eyes, didn't he? Blue and a yellow, I think. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Is the I think uh, so. yeah the nuclear reactor because uh, it's of course it's Three Mile Island. Uh, that is is that a reference to the original X Men comics theory of mutation radiation? It might be. It, it might be. I I'm not sure how much that is remembered. Okay. I mean, it's certainly completely abandoned by Marvel Comics. <laughs> the idea that the idea that mutations are caused by things is gone, and, mm. and it went out. Um, it kind of went out, maybe in the in the in the eighties. Certainly, by the time you get to the nineties, it's gone, and mutants mm. are now just the next step in human evolution. So, I don't know whether even a, even a, a comic book fan. Who who's perhaps writing the script? I don't know whether they would know that. Do you know what I mean? Because there are fans, and then there are people that slavishly research <laughs> things from the sixties <laughs> to attempt to contextualise their yeah. life. Uh, we've seen that a lot with One Division. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, also, how many mutants are this scene? Did you did you manage to uh, spot out any? In particular? There's a lot. I, I I didn't, but not from because it's very hard to tell from from a, a, an eyeball glance. Although the, somebody in our comments mentioned that 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 Kayla's sister is Emma Frost. I thought it was Emma. I thought she was Emma Frost because she mentions the powers. Sure, but that's like, do you know how many psychics there are in in the in the X Men world? Like hundreds of them. I thought it was psychics with the power to turn skin into diamond as well. I yes, I completely forgot about that bit. I yeah. completely forgot about that bit. Then that is definitely Emma Frost, which screws the historical timeline up. Something rotten. Something that always happens in these X Men films. These X Men films are how, famous for it. How how old is Emma Frost in in, in here in the nineteen? What is this seventies? She well, it, it, we're we're talking maybe teens, late teens. And how old is she then mm-hmm. in X Men First Class in the nineteen sixties? Yeah, about about I, I reckon thirty. About thirty, yeah. yeah. Okay, <laughs> yeah, sure. But, but they're not connected, Rob. It's all non-canon. Some would say. Oh no! Oh god! Don't make me do Last Stand. Don't make me do any more X Men movies. Come on! <laughs> we will go don't... through them all until if they Phoenix. don't care why should i care if the people making them <laughs> cannot care enough to get this stuff at least in right in their own movies what why what am i doing i need a beer we are definitely doing all the x-men films just request oh, it. it we'll do it we'll do all the x-men films carry on with the thing carry on with the thing he says we're doing all the x-men films though so Going to, back to Victor's promise, uh, uh, sorry, sorry, Stryker's promise to Victor, Creed with Adamantium is a very scary fall. I mean, is that something he tried to get his hands on in the comic books? It's not like he is like, I must, it's not like a skeletal thing where he's like, I must defeat a Wolverine and get my hands on his Adamantium. But he, he, I mean, he does it, he gets it. Hmm. Uh, it's very, it's very, it's very not good. In the during the nineties, when Wolverine has his adamantium ripped out, and he's depowered, and his and his healing factor is minimal, Sabretooth gains an adamantium skeleton, and gains <laughs> uh, adamantium reinforcement on his claws. 
making him this twisted, very powerful version of Wolverine, right when Logan is more vulnerable than ever. Um, he would lose the... So how... <laughs> Basically, the way that Wolverine gets his adamantium back is that Apocalypse wants a new servant. Okay. And he doesn't know whether it's going to be Wolverine, who he'd always thought would be a good choice, or Sabretooth, because Sabretooth now has this adamantium skeleton. Mm. So he they they have a fight to the to the death, basically. Wolverine wins, so Apocalypse uses his abilities to pull the metal out of um, Sabretooth and infuse it back into Wolverine. So that, in 1999, is how Wolverine gets his adamantium back. Okay. But Sabretooth uh, would go on to get adamantium once more. Um, like There's this revamped but low-rent version of Weapon X, and they're like, we need, a, we need to get back to when Ep- Weapon X was good, and we had all these dangerous mutants working for us. <laughs> uh, and so they contact Victor Creed and say... You come and work with us, we'll give you some adamantium. And and Creed smiles and he agrees and he shakes their hand and he goes along with everything they say and he's like, I really want to work with you guys and he is disgusting all the other military agents with his bloodlust. And then when Creed gets his adamantium back, he slaughters everybody Ooh. and uh, is very, very happy again. I am not surprised. <laughs> who who could have seen that happen? Who could have seen apart that from everyone? <laughs> yeah. Oh god. Back to the film. In an attempt to stop Logan and against the wishes of his assistant, Striker activates Wade, now known as Weapon Eleven. Um, activate Wade. <laughs> activate Wade. Send in Wade. <laughs> He will wade into battle. Hey. No, we're not doing hey. puns. No, no. We, we are. The, pun, the no. pun, pun machine is open. I couldn't think of a pun to describe the pun machine. Never mind. Uh, weapon 11, a mutant killer with the powers of multiple mutants. Logan finds the captive mutants and sets them all free, restoring Kayla's trust in him. But before they can escape, Wade approaches Logan and Stryker gives the command to fight. But not before Logan tells Kayla to find another escape. As Weapon X and Weapon 11... Sorry, it should be Weapon 10, shouldn't it? You're the one saying it. Well, it's the thing. I'm looking at this now. I'm looking at this now. Logan is Weapon X, but it's Weapon XI is... Yeah. Weapon XI. Weapon XI. No, I'm going to call it Weapon X and Weapon 11 Fight. The escaping mutants team up and use their powers to get past the guards. Kayla, however, refuses to escape with them and tells them to go... Revealing she's been gravely injured. This is the uh, this is the only uh, thing I heard about the film was what they did to Deadpool. I think the only things I heard about the film was oh, oh you heard that had you before before I saw it. The only things I, I took away were uh, you see a re- the opening is really good, but that's it. And what they did to Deadpool was unspeakable, literally now, unspeakable was, was, because they sealed his lips. Was that in the was that something you heard before the Deadpool movie came out? Way before the Deadpool, when when this came out, when just when oh, this right. came out, right? Yeah. So you heard it when this came out, because and then mm. and then I had to for the next few years. Uh, whenever this talking about this film came up, people would go like, "Oh my god, it was a crime! They didn't use Deadpool yeah. to his full potential. Don't you know how much of an important character he is?" And I was like, oh, "Okay, these people I, are delusional. These people are delusional." I no, I I see the importance of Deadpool. I see the importance of Deadpool. Deadpool 
Don't give me that look. Look. Not at not in two thousand and nine. Not in two thousand and nine. Okay. Like like it, 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 anyway. Carry on. Okay. Okay. Apparently, it wasn't in two thousand. <laughs> I, I I understand why people wanted Deadpool. There we. So weapon XE, sexy XI, or uh, weapon eleven, uh, Wade. Is that a thing that happens? And is Wade Wilson involved? The, 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 well, there's no. I can't think of anything like this that has multiple um, mutant abilities. I mean, there is a character called Mimic, yeah. who has nothing to do with this, who can mimic every multiple different abilities. That's kind of cool. You'll see him sometimes with like Angel's wings, Wolverine's claws, mm. and Cyclops' visor and stuff. Weapon. The discrepancy in not knowing what to call it is because. Weapon X was always just Weapon X. The X yeah. was there to stand for, like it does in many things, uh, we're not going to say, you know, XXX redacted, X, you know, not going to say. So that was like the in-storyline reason. A government project called Weapon X mm. means secret. We're not going to tell you what the weapon is. But also, of course, it, it meant it was connected to mutants and the X-Men. Um <laughs> But then down the line, more writers came aboard and revealed that Weapon X actually means Weapon 10. And it is the 10th iteration of the Weapon Plus program. Weapon 1 being Captain America, Ah. Project Rebirth in the 1940s. And then there have been many more since leading to Weapon 10, Weapon X, which was Wolverine and Sabretooth. And some other subjects. Deadpool was a reject from Weapon X, Weapon Ten, mm. um, and and that's he was discarded, left to die, and then Canadian Department K turned him into Deadpool. Um, the program did continue, and technically, the weapon after Wolverine was a character called Garrison Kane. Who's his version of, of of his abilities and things was he was a cyborg that could transform his arms into a variety of different weapons, very <laughs> Terminator Two, you know this is oh, the like this is the early to mid nine mid nineties yeah early to mid nineties very Terminator Two hmm. he's very tied in with Cable and time travel and the future and stuff. Kane existed before the whole Weapon Plus idea had been introduced. So he was not known ever as Weapon 11. He was just known as the new Weapon X. It was like giving this mantle to a new character would kind of give them some of the cool rub and name recognition that Wolverine had. If you went, Wolverine was Weapon X, this guy is the new Weapon X, Garrison Kane, and he was called Weapon X for a long time. Although technically he would be Weapon 11. I, uh, yeah, I was about to say, Weapon X is flashy, Weapon XI. No, it's just too much. It sounds Weapon like XL. 11, yeah. Weapon 11. Good. Yeah. Anyway, back to the film. Logan coaxes Weapon 11 to the top of a cooling tower where he continues fighting a losing battle. Just before Wade can deliver a killing blow, Victor saves Logan from falling into the cooling towers, saying, Nobody kills you but me. A second later, Wade teleports back up and forces Logan and Victor to team up against it as Weapon 11 launches a barrage of deadly lasers from his eyes. Just when it looks like Victor is done for, Logan pounces from behind and decapitates Weapon 11, whose lifeless body falls into the tower with the still lasering eyes cutting it up. 
Yeah. That felt like uh, Darth Maul's death scene to me. It did a bit. It yeah. It, it it's did. just the fall, the the thing falling and still hitting things as it goes down. Yeah, I, I, I always stuck stuck in when it, when his body just sort of went in half as it went down. Yeah, <laughs> bit yeah. grim, bit grim. So, are Deadpool and Wolverine enemies in the comics? Because I can imagine that happening. Um, they. I mean, I think they were at odds. Uh, to begin with, when when Deadpool was a villain, and then this anti-hero, they were at odds, but they don't think they had a huge amount to do with each other. Um, there, there were almost definitely some crossovers and team-ups and stuff. And then, of course, uh, Deadpool becomes this wise-cracking Spider-Man character, you know. And Logan hates all that jokey stuff, so there's animosity there, and. But 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 more so than than there was with 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 Spidey. I mean, Wolverine. I think what he sees with Wade is he sees himself, and so I think he he cannot help but hate that. He sees someone very similar, who, to him, and and so I think he sees all the years that he himself was selfish and self-interested, or he himself let himself be used as a violent weapon. I think he sees... You know, it's very hard if you don't like yourself mm. when you see so much of yourself in someone else. I think you do harbour that that animosity. And then they became teammates. Wolverine has his own Black Ops mutant team called X-Force, and... Deadpool is a part of that team, which seems odd because you would never have put them together. But it's revealed in that series that Deadpool really views Logan entirely as his moral compass. Mm. Deadpool's come to terms with the fact that he does not know right from wrong, but here's Logan, who's been through everything Wade has been through, down all the same paths <laughs> Wade has been, and yet is able to be a hero and, and work with superheroes gain people's respect and do the right thing and be accepted so underneath all the nonsense of Deadpool in X-Force you get Wade joins the team to follow whatever Logan's lead is Mm. and do whatever Logan tells him is the right thing because he's kind of come to grips with the idea that he needs to start atoning yeah that makes sense okay that's quite sweet Back to the film. It doesn't. It doesn't go well. It doesn't. I. I, I think. I think we will do the mega X Force saga. Um. When we do, maybe. Oh, I don't know. It's it's either going to be after Deadpool two, or it will spin out of X Men Apocalypse. I'm not sure. We can do that. I'm not we, sure. We can definitely do that. Anyway, back to the film. Meanwhile, Stryker loads a revolver with adamantium bullets, the only ammunition that can stop... What? No. How? How? The only ammunition that can stop Wolverine. Explain that to me. I put that in there to sound dramatic. Why? I... Which bit? Well, I... why, 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 why does Stryker... Think that adamantium bullets can stop Wolverine because it's like silver to a werewolf. <laughs> no, I don't know. No, no. It links into that mythology. 
but Wolverine will heal from the bullets. I don't understand. If he shoots, I can understand it hit his head and his arm, his bones, and there'd be an impact and. Maybe there'd be some splintering or maybe some bone damage, but... Because it's not a good film, Rob. It's not a good film. (laughs) It's not a... You're trying to analyse a car crash. Okay, okay. (laughs) Please proceed with the crash. I really really wanted to explain it and get really technical there, but it's like the easy to reach, (laughs) it's a bad film, Rob. It's a bad film. As the cooling tower collapses, Victor departs, saying that him and Logan aren't done. Falling off the tower, Logan is almost crushed by debris, but Gamba enters at the last minute to protect him. Wolverine tells him to assist the other mutants trying to escape, and the two split. A moment later, Logan finds a dying Kayla, and Logan carries her away from the wreckage towards Gambit's plane. Suddenly, Stryker takes aim and shoots Wolverine, who drops Kayla and launches into a rage after Stryker. Logan is knocked unconscious when Stryker gets two shots to his head before going to Kayla to execute her. But before he can do so, she hypnotises him to aim the gun at himself, but changes her mind and commands him to keep walking until his feet bleed. Mm. So, that feet bleed thing reminded me a bit of Preacher, because he actually tells... You count all the sands on the count all the count all the grains of sand. Grains on the of sand. That's great. Yeah. yeah, that 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 little bit. I mean, you know, we don't agree on preacher, but I I think there are little moments like that that are absolutely brilliant. Oh, I I agree. I I desperately want I desperately want an edited version of preacher that takes out all the <laughs> gross out American Pie comedy and gives me. <laughs> A really awesome, you know, theological supernatural fiction book with uh, with mm. cowboy themes. I, I, I just, <laughs> I don't think Arseface is funny. Yeah, Arseface, and I don't, does, I don't think yeah. all the rape jokes are funny. Yeah, and I don't think the sexual assault stuff is funny. Well, like and the Garth uh, Ennis yeah. thinks that that's the highest form of wit. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. It's why I had trouble reading The Boys the second time round, where I went, oh no, I just remembered this is going to be a lot. I don't want to do this. Garth Ennis <laughs> said to Vertigo, when Vertigo were like, because Preacher had made them a lot of money, mm. and they wanted to do more Preacher, and he said, because you know, they could spin off so many of those characters, and Garth said, the only time you'll ever get to make money from Preacher... Hmm. is if you let us do the sex detectives. Now, just to refresh your memory, the sex detectives are rapists for hire who will find someone and then sexually assault them. Is that their thing? I I didn't realise. That is weird. Yeah. Yeah. That that is a weird way of putting it as well, the sex detectives. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Bloody mm. hell! And doesn't their storyline? I mean, it, the whole thing like ends with them. Uh, do, uh, we need to move on because this is not what. People Sorry, we do need to show. move move on. Yeah. I'm really, Let's get back to rated PG Wolverine. <laughs> rated PG thirteen Wolverine. Oh god! So there's uh, Kayla. Kayla's powers are pretty awesome. That hypnosis. Does she have these in the comics? Silver Fox. No man. I mean. 
she has some limited healing factor. That mm. that that. Well, maybe she doesn't. Okay, she has what appears to be a much longer than human lifespan. Right. Because, but it was hard to know given all the. Okay. Yeah. Was she ever alive in the nineteen hundreds, or was that the CIA? Did the CIA fake all of that? Mm. Ah, yes. But then Wolverine. Wolverine definitely rem- he he seemed to be convinced that they didn't fake them living in a log cabin together in frontier times. So if that's the case, then she hasn't aged between nineteen early nineteen hundreds and nineteen sixties when she turns up as a member of Team X. But also, she never had a healing factor until he encountered her again during the sixties, and it's no one is certain if that is the same woman, especially Wolverine. Yeah. So. Ive, who knows? But no, um, hypnosis by touch is not a thing she can do. Something vaguely Twin Peaks esque about that whole thing. It's just weird, man. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> sure is weird, like Twin Peaks. Anyway, where where was I? Where where did I get to? Ah, here we are, back to the film. On the other side of the facility, the mutants escape to the forest, where a helicopter lands in front of them. Out of the helicopter emerges Charles Xavier, who tells them he will take them to safety. Logan wakes up to find Gambit telling him that the kids are safe, but he doesn't recognise him. Wolverine has lost his memory. Gambit leads him to his plane, but as he passes the dead body of Kayla, something in him stirs, but he doesn't know what. As the rescue services arrive, Gambit tells Logan they need to go, but Logan says he'll find his own way as he flees the scene of destruction. So, they're implying in the X-Men universe the Three Mile Island accident was because of mutants. Nice. Yeah, yeah. That's... Well, because of Striker, really. Because of Strike. the military. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's Because of capitalism, if we're honest. Capitalism, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That makes sense. So, what happens to Wolverine once he gets his adamantium? Does he run off like this? I mean, from the Weapon X stories, it sounds like it. Yeah, so he doesn't do this bit where he gets the adamantium mm. and he's fine <laughs> and he's like thanks for the adamantium I'm going to go on a mission now to stop a bad guy and <laughs> skeleton please <laughs> <laughs> and then get shot in the head yeah. and soap opera style lose his memory mm. that's not what happens he he the the the, the process of of the, the weapon x process is like the most painful traumatic thing you know it's 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 absolutely brutal don't forget it's not just the physical pain of infusing like metal onto his skeleton it is also this dehumanizing mind control brainwashing mm. that they do so um after after he escapes and and starts murdering people in the facility he runs off into the wilderness, um, which is what happened. We 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 hmm, we didn't know it at the time, but since two thousand, because Weapon X story is nineteen ninety one, Wolverine's origin story is two thousand and one, right? Mm. So when it comes to two thousand and one, we know he he likes the wilderness, but nineteen ninety one, we weren't sure if he liked the wilderness. That doesn't make sense. He runs off into the wilderness and he starts living with a wolf pack and being very feral. And he's eventually found and like nursed back to health and humanity. Um, 
like Encino Man slash California Man style nursed back to <laughs> this is a pair of jeans. This is a television uh, by a nice, lovely Canadian couple. Oh. Who just so happen to work for Canada's intelligence agency. Uh-oh. And they just so happen to be looking for a new superhero to join Canada's first super team, Alpha Flight. And so that's what happens. He 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 is wild and feral after Weapon X. Um, he he is taken in by by Heather and and it's gone. Heather and someone <laughs> and and they yeah. then after they kind of rehabilitate him back to the ways of humans, he puts on a costume again, becomes Wolverine, well, becomes Weapon X, I don't call him Wolverine, and he joins Alpha Flight, and that is the first super team that he kind of is part of. Yeah. Oh, excellent. Okay. So, we're up to the end of the film now. In the mid-credits scene, Stryker, still walking under hypnosis, is detained for questioning by MPs in connection with the death of General Munson, who was Stryker murdered to protect his experiment. In the post credit scene, following the defeat of Weapon 11, his hand crawls out of the rocks and touches his head, which awakens and shusses the screen, revealing that he has survived being decapitated. What, what was the response to seeing Deadpool come back to life? Uh, oh, like in, in, in the audience, in, 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 I've, I've no I don't think, yeah. I, I think when you've watched to that point, mm. for that to be a cool moment, you'd have to have enjoyed the guy with the big stabby swordy thing and the the laser beams, you'd have to have enjoyed him and then go, oh, he's not dead. Like if Darth Maul, if it happened to Darth yeah. Maul at the end of that, you'd go, oh, cool, he's not dead. Like we didn't like him, but he was a cool bad guy. Like no one liked him, I don't think. So I don't I don't think it was like a, a, a positive, positive thing. Will, thank you so much for taking us ably through the uh, Wolverine, no, the X Men Origins Wolverine <laughs> what movie, a catchy um, title, nine, catchy title, the, 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 the beginning of the X Men Origins <laughs> franchise, which was gonna, we were gonna get the the Magneto Origins and all that sort of stuff. What we what we want to know now is is your final thoughts on on this movie. I mean, it's 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 strange to see it for the first time so many years later, but still, how do you feel about it? Everybody said it was awful. I didn't think it was awful. As I said before, strong five out of ten. It was, it was, it was fine. It was adequate. It was. It, it didn't do what it sought out to do. Uh, it felt. It filled up the void in between X Men films. If anything, it, it was just an X Men film, wasn't it? Really, it, was just, it just felt like yet another X Men film that didn't really build on anything previously. It felt like it was... Even though it wasn't, it felt lower budget. That's the weird thing. This mm. this actually cost more to make than, the, than, wow. the, than, than X-Men 2, but actually felt cheaper. And I don't know why. It just felt... Uh, lack, bit, of, lack of star power would be a big one. Lack of star and power. Lack of star power. And it didn't have memorable... Um, memorable kind of set pieces, I don't think. Apart from the helicopter bit, yeah, but even but that was like it was not like a really. It's not it was not one yeah. that, that jumps out at you, and you know, like like there are many scenes in X Men Two where you have just the cool thing 
just seeing the Weapon X facility is so much cooler, like you said, in X-Men mm. 2. Um, seeing the inside of Cerebro when it's being taken over is cool. The assault on the mansion is, is cool. Oh, it's a very cool These bit. things all stick in the mind. and Yeah, I, I, did it, I mean, how does it stack up to other Wolverine movies? What? No, let's, let's forget that. Because I've only ever seen Logan, I haven't seen the other Wolverine films. Let, let, let's forget that. That's a standard question. What I want to know, what I really mm-hmm. want to know is, do you care at all about Wolverine's past and his his origin before X-Men? Because they are under the assumption that we do. Because in the comic books, it was a really big deal and everyone did care. So when you're watching like X-Men and X-Men 2, is it a dry is it a driving thing? Do you want a movie to say we're going to go back and guess what you're finally going to get it the origins of what was that a big deal to you or something you care about? Or? I th- I think for me I would have a passing curiosity and would happily watch a half hour dramatization of it. Not an mm. entire film. I don't think an entire film films in it. If you <sighs> This is the thing. I know it's important. I know it's important for the comic book fans. I know it's important, you know, for X Men fans as well. For me, I don't think there's enough there, or they focused on the wrong bits of it. I think there's a lot else going on that could have been used, but what we got here seemed to be, an albeit okay, okay, a quite dull but albeit pivotal story. <laughs> Let's get on to the reading list for this X-Men Wolverine episode. I, I really say to check out Origin uh, by, by Paul Jenkins and Adam Kubert. And there's also Origin 2 by Kieran Gillen and, and Andy Kubert. Um, Kieran Gillen from my hometown, great writer. Mm. Those are the very early days of Logan. That's where you see his past and, and, and his coming to be in the 1800s. And you know who he is with Dog Logan and his abusive father, and in Origin Two you get to see the very first encounter between Wolverine and Sabretooth, an encounter that Wolverine never remembers or does eventually, but it explains why there is this lifelong animosity and hatred on Sabretooth's behalf. So that's in the, in that's in Origin Two. So Origin One and Two. Um, I can't recommend enough Weapon X by the by the marvelous Barry Windsor Smith. Mm. The story of how Wolverine is turned into a deadly weapon. Um, it's very. It wasn't. It was presented in Marvel Premiere, um, which is a direct market comic, so it was not really on 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 newsstands and kind of like you you wouldn't get it in in uh, news agents and stuff. You would get it from the comic book shop. So they tended to be able to go a little bit darker and more adults, and mm. they certainly do that with this first Weapon X story. Um, and you know, I don't think Wolverine speaks in it maybe at all because he's so dehumanized and he comes so animalistic. Yeah. And for just a cool, cool solo Wolverine story from his early days, a glimpse at the real heart of the character, check out Wolverine by Chris Claremont and Frank Miller. Um, Sometimes just called Wolverine by Claremont and Miller. Chris Claremont writing, Frank Miller drawing. It, It has a kind of Batman Year One vibe to it. As Logan travels to Japan to reunite with a lost love and then gets wrapped up in the Japanese criminal underworld. 
it's a portrayal of Wolverine as the failed samurai, which was important to Claremont's vision of Wolverine and would define him uh, for for decades to come. Really, be warned though, if you're a if you're a, a newer kind of fan, this is not god level, unkillable, immortal Wolverine. That's not the. That's not this character. This is a character who who is fallible, who can be cut, who can bleed, who can be beaten and defeated, which of course makes for a wonderful story. Um, next episode, we will announce it here right now. Oh yes, we are going. We've had our weird, wild, and wacky, and we've gone back to the X Men universe. It's going to be a return to the Marvel animated universe of the 1990s as we finally tackle something we've been salivating over since we came up with the idea. MVM, Rob and Will, we're going to be diving into Spider-Man, the animated series. Thanks for listening to Marvel vs. Marvel. Please take the time to like, rate us, subscribe, leave a review. Hey, why not recommend us to a friend who loves Marvel? Join us for the next episode as we tackle Spider-Man the Animated Series.